This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 113. God, it's starting to get a be a mouthful. I'm Nick Howell. And fully of the belief that fans who bring replica WWE title belts to live shows should be forced to defend them, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, <laughs> and welcome welcome to the Hardcore show. Hardcore title style, 24-7, <laughs> 24/7 anytime, 7. anywhere. If you have a five-year-old with a replica belt, I'm pinning him for the one, two, three. It's going <laughs> to happen. Uh, now, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year. To everyone who uh, follows the Western Gregorian calendar, and uh, welcome to the show. We have a big show today, which is surprising considering how light the offerings were from WWE this week, but that's largely because it's New Japan time. It's time for Wrestle Freaking Kingdom, Ooh. and I am I am hyped. I'm Ooh. so psyched, Nick. I'm so pumped. I can't even tell you. Uh, the The second half of the show today... There's going to be a lot of Japanese wrestling. So if you are mostly a WWE watcher, if you don't watch New Japan and you're intrigued, you're interested by it, now is a good time to jump on board. It's a good time to get on all the storylines because they're coming to a head. It's their WrestleMania. It's happening tonight, uh, but it will be up online after tonight. Uh, 11 Pacific time in the U.S., which is 2 a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. And, and then that's the pre-show start. I think the actual show doesn't start until 4 a.m. Eastern. I was looking. Yeah, uh, that's pre-show. I'm not sure if it's an hour or two hours before. I'm assuming it's a two hour pre-show with some matches sprinkled in. It's about an hour know? pre-show. And then we get yeah. to the main show at uh, midnight. Uh, so, OK, the morning from the morning of Friday. If you're like in Australia, I believe it's like eight p.m. or something like that I, I don't have all the numbers in front of me but you can check your world clock it's 4 p.m. Tokyo time basically so gotcha. it's uh, but it is their Wrestlemania if you were at all in like I've heard about this new Japan stuff is it any good well now is the time to get on it and we're going to have a big old primer for this show in the second half of our episode today so stick around for the after WWE it's going to be a lot of fun and I am I cannot wait to dive into it because it's actually looking like one of the best shows of the last year. Their card is insane. This is going to be so much good wrestling. 
I, I, I am, I'm so psyched. I've got like a whole thing planned out. I've got a big bottle of nice sake, and I've got a ton of sushi coming over later. It's going to be a whole thing at the danger. Wow, you're even going full theme party and everything. I am. You? I am. This is this is <laughs> this is this is the second WrestleMania for me. This is the other WrestleMania for me in the year. So I'm no, I'm I'm pumped, man. I put, c- put on your kimono and tie up your top knot, folks. It's time for Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> God, I'm oh. not going that far. I am going <laughs> to. I might be wearing my Kaze Ninare shirt, but that, that's about it. Oh, see, nice. Come nice. on, come on. But, oh, uh, goodness. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday, festive season, uh, whatever that means to you in your respects. Um, Ian, I wanted to throw you a curveball real quick before we dive into the show. But one of the things I always like about the end of the year, or the beginning of the year, is kind of the retrospective of looking back. Uh, I think we're probably going to have the same answer about this. But if you look back on 2018, what's your key takeaway? What do you think is probably the highlight of the year uh, with regards to, let's stick with the world of WWE because that keeps it simple, if for only that reason. But, you know, for me, I'll start. For me, it was definitely what we expected, called, what they telegraphed was the the eventual second chapter of the breakup of DIY and the Gargano versus Champa feud that has gone on for the entirety of 2018 and continues on into 2019. And I, I'm going to say it's it's one of the all-time best feuds, and I feel like we're maybe halfway through the story that they're trying to tell with that, and that just makes it even more epic. It, what about it, you? Even. What do you? What do you? Where do you fall on 2018? Is kind of the key thing that you take away from the year in wrestling. Um, I don't. I don't know if you want to. If you want to do like best feud, I can't argue with you. Gargano Champa is a feud for the ages. It's it's up there with one of my favorite feuds of all time as well. And I think they've got a long time. Left. I don't think the story's ending anytime soon. I don't think it's halfway no. through. I think we have a lot more to go. But. As far as what do I, what's my takeaway for the year, it's actually funny because you say it's a curveball, but I actually just listened to the Not Sam podcast the other day, and he had his top 10 stories of 2018 in all of sports entertainment professional wrestling. And so I'm actually a little bit prepared for this. Now, you did say WWE only. And with that, I mean, that's I've kind of spoiled for choice there, whether it's, you know, the the success of Ronda Rousey, whether it's the uh, the leukemia story with Roman Reigns, like the biggest push they've given anyone for the last few years getting derailed by a horrible disease and just the kind of mind bending way that everyone like has come back around on Roman Reigns because of something legitimate and that just that whole thing is just such a crazy uh unexpected uh piece of like a series of events uh you've got the rise of Becky Lynch as a popular character you have this enormous uh money deal that WWE made with TV networks and then at the same time their ratings tanked so there's a lot of major stories that I could take away from this year just at WWE but the thing is, I'm going to step away from that. I'm actually going to break your rules a little bit and say that my biggest story for the year, my biggest takeaway for this last year, for 2018, was that we are in a new golden age of wrestling in general, in that across the board, we are seeing next level performances in terms of athleticism and storytelling in rings across the world. And that's actually being shown that it's there's stuff outside of WWE that people are interested in. The big... The big thing that I, I look at with that is 
Cody and the Young Bucks, and All In, and what we're now seeing with AEW, which is actually one of our top stories of the week, which we'll get into in a second. But that, for me, the fact that there is enough interest out there to to have these upstart indie wrestlers getting support to start another promotion and the level of interest in wrestling outside of WWE as well as in WWE, their ratings are tanking, but yet they're more successful than ever. That's my big story from this year is that in terms of the quality across the board, the, the interest, the money that's, that's accessible. uh, We're on another level right now. So that that's my long answer to your short question. That, that's really meta in a sense because you're looking at the zoomed out at the overall picture of what it what it's like to con- be a consumer of, of sports entertainment content. I love that. I love that that viewpoint that you have because, man, I, I can't remember. You'd have to go back to the 90s really to find a time where there was ECW, WCW, uh, kind of the fall of NWA at the beginning of the 90s and uh, WWE becoming mainstream, the Monday Night Wars, the purchase of... Yeah. The last time we had this much going on in wrestling was the mid to late nineties, and you can't even compare it to the uh, the territory era because you know as much as they were selling out arenas a lot, and this is something that Cornette loves to harp on, is that the business of of the live shows was so huge then, and the live shows are nothing now. You know, as yeah. far as what they're as far as the the uh, attendance, as far as the the door, it's nothing like it was back then. But there's so much more money in other places, whether it's online, streaming media, etc., which, of course, he doesn't take into account because he's a crotchety old man. But that's the that's the bottom line is that there is so much activity going on right now. Even even WWE is trying to find new avenues to to get to people. And they're looking at how some of these smaller companies are marketing themselves and working. And it's it's driving them to find new ways to stay ahead of the curve so they don't get locked out. I think another aspect of it is the technology has finally caught up with the mass production that WWE was able to facilitate with their live TV productions. So now you you can still do that with some handheld cameras and a streaming subscription. Well, that was one of the reasons why WWE took the the lead in the first place was the closed circuit television, the pay-per-views. Like They were ahead of the media curve back in the 80s. They they jumped the they jumped the gun on all the other territory guys who who had a hard time wrapping their heads around it, and Vince got to it first. Well, now we're seeing a whole new different kind of media war. So, it's yeah, it's an absolutely fascinating thing. and something that, looking forward to the new year, we're going to have to check on. That's something I want to talk about in our big news segment. But, you know, before we get to that, we have to do a little housekeeping. So let's get that done. Let's be professional podcast broadcasters here yeah. <laughs> and, and get that done before we get into the meat of our show. So if you would, please, sir. Yes, absolutely. Guys, come over to Facebook and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. You can just search for Busted Wide Open in the search bar. Send us a join request. We'll get you in for some fun memes, some great conversations on each of the shows every week across WWE. Uh, And we were we're doing the new group chats that are available now where you can join and come join and leave as you please built into the group, but you got to be in the group. So come join us over there. Uh, we're going to do that for all of the pay-per-views and maybe even grow that more I as may, we go through I may be the only person on the Facebook chat tonight for Wrestle Kingdom, but damn it, I'll be there. I will be I'm there. Gonna, I might be there for an hour or so, but I don't know if I'm going to make it through till 6 or 7 a.m. Come on, man. That's going to be a long night. Come on. Also, we're on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Go and follow us over there and on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Send us a join re- or send us a subscribe request there and also hit that little notification bell so that you get alerted anytime we put up new content or go live, which we're going to be doing some testing on 
this weekend. Hint, hint, wink, mm, wink. Mm. Hee hee, finally, we're all settled. New year, great. Uh, and last but certainly not least, if you want to support this show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. We've got lots of great tiers over there. You can just throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar or sign up for one of our reward tiers to get more intimately involved with the show, such as asking listener questions, copies of the show notes, cool exclusive merch, all kinds of good stuff there. Hey, you can even hang out with Sir Ian Dangerous and I on a 30-minute Skype call if you want yeah. to. Talk about whatever you want. We had, some, but, we had some good listener questions this week, too. I can't wait to get to yes, those. Yes, we did. I cannot wait yeah. to get to those because they're very relevant to some of the topics that we're going to talk about over in the big news. So starting off on an extremely, extremely somber note, uh, another piece of at least your, I mean, from our, for our age group, Nick, a piece of our childhood has passed away and someone who is an absolutely iconic legendary figure not only in professional wrestling but in pop culture as pop culture looks at professional wrestling and that was mean gene okerlund who passed away at age 76 a few days ago uh and i can't even begin to start like we don't have enough show we could do a whole show maybe we will do a whole show just on the influence of mean gene okerlund on the wrestling landscape and how he was as an interviewer, how he was as a personality, the legitimacy that he lent to the people that he was interviewing, uh, just his whole presence. Like we could, we could just talk about it for hours and hours and hours, but it's just a huge loss, uh, in the, in the world of wrestling. So I, and I personally was just, I, it's not unexpected. He wasn't a, a spring chicken, but it was, it was a gut shot to me. And a rough way to I start was actually surprised. I, I, you know, I say this in the nicest way possible. I thought he was a, about ten years older. I didn't realize that he was only. You said spring chicken, the the ripe young age of seventy six. Well, so I mean, it's, it, 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 that's it, that to me was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, um, he did. He looked the, a little the thing rough that I'll say years. about Mean Gene for me is he was other than the super in ring superstars themselves, he was the consistent figure across wrestling from my childhood all the way up through into the 2000s. Well, and that's because he, he worked for almost everybody. He was in the AWA for 15 years from 1970 to 84. And then WWF, he was, you know, in that iconic era from 1984 to 1993, he was the man in WWE as far as an interviewer. And then he went over to WCW for all of the all of the nineties from ninety three to, to two thousand one when it when the it got bought out. Days, yeah. And then he came back and was kind of off and on in the WWE after that as like a personality, like you know, what was it, uh, Legends House and he he was the narrator for story time and you know, he was he came back as kind of the voice of WWE. So yeah, you're right. He was kind of ubiquitous across a lot of the major facets of wrestling. So I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. That was the that was the thing for me. So there's there's the people like Vince himself, there's Mean Gene uh, I, I, there's various personalities that have been present from the eighties, nineties, then now and forever. Mean Gene Okerlund to me in sports entertainment lore is kind of the epitome of then now and forever. Yeah. It defines because it because it, it's, it's just, he will always be there as that interview, always the cool, calm, collected center surrounded by madness and crazy zany personalities that he would interview you know some of them the, every time you see a video online on facebook or twitter or whatever that's kind of a fun throwback video reminder of a fun macho man interview or hogan interview or any of those 
90% of the time, it's Mean Gene Okerlund. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. That's one of the, the classic. I hear that in my head. Yeah. That's, and that's one of the iconic lines is when you think about a promo, you think about, well, you know, Mean Gene. And that was always how Hulk Hogan started it. In fact, the very last interview that, that Mean Gene gave on WWTV was last January, uh, January 22nd, almost a year ago on Raw 25. And it was with AJ Styles. And that was how AJ Styles started his promo. Was well, you know, Mean Gene. I always wanted to say that. That was how he started it. You know, that's how <laughs> awesome. iconic it was. Uh, so, it, it, yeah, it's it is it is impossible to understate what a what a loss this is. And um, apparently, like the cause of death, he had a, a a nasty fall back in December, broke a couple ribs, and had been in a nursing home for a few days. Um, and then I guess he just had trouble breathing. And passed away. You know, he had a. I actually thought it was going to be his kidneys. He was he was a known heavy drinker, um, which might be mm. why he he you thought he was a little older than he was. But uh, but yeah, no. Apparently, just a, a nasty fall, and that's all it takes. So it was. Uh, he never lost the tone. He never lost the voice. No. Uh, there were there were several superstars or or the ladies that interview backstage. One of the, I think it was Kayla Braxton said something like, "I just hung out with him in November." He still had that voice. Well, that was the crazy thing. That was his speaking voice. It wasn't an act. He's just, that was who he was. And it's ironic because his name was Mean Gene. And, you know, he was, it was actually back in the AWA. Jesse Ventura, of all people, was the one who gave him that name. Jesse Ventura called him Mean Gene. And it's funny because he was known as being one of the nicest, chillest guys there was in all of wrestling, which is, you know, full of lunatics. So it's, right? right? <laughs> So it's it's really funny because that was just you know if he if you talk to him that was just how he talked that was just who he was was just this calm cool dude surrounded by psychopaths and that was that was what came across so no I I am I'm, I'm very bummed by his passing and you know it's <laughs> another piece of my childhood gone more wrestling more wrestling rest in peace Mean Gene Oakland yeah, rest in peace Mean Gene Oakland uh, other big news we have to get to we mentioned this earlier. AEW, it's official. They made the announcement. The Young Bucks and Cody came out and said, yes, all elite wrestling is a thing. It is happening. It's gonna be, we, we don't have all of the details yet. They are going to have a press conference called the Double or Nothing Rally, which is going to be on January 8th, uh, which is next Tuesday, I believe. Right. Um, which is after Wrestle Kingdom, coincidence... I think not. Also, not coincidentally, they're holding it at uh, TIAA Field in Jacksonville, which is right across the street from where they're having a, a SmackDown Live take it, taping. Hmm. Huh. Like a little mini invasion angle. I don't think that's. I don't think that's unintentional. You can actually watch. So this press conference they're having Tuesday. You can actually watch this live on Being the Elite, the YouTube channel. You can watch it on at AEW. Sorry, AE Wrestling on Twitter. You can uh, at uh, let's see slash Young Bucks Young Bucks on Facebook and at the Brandy Rhodes on Instagram. So here's the here's the deal. They've announced that uh, they do have now a promotion called All Elite Wrestling. Their first show is being rumored to be in May or June. It will be called Double or Nothing, which makes sense considering the first one was called All In. Uh, they have support from Tony Khan, who you may know as the son of Saeed Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, his family is worth $6.3 billion. They got money. They got the cash. So AEW will be funded. They got their own, they got their own billionaire, basically. 
Um, there is no TV offers that we know of that are official yet, but they may announce something at this press conference. Uh, there's a lot of executives that were apparently very impressed by All In and uh, are interested in seeing what they have to, to say. Um, there's right now, it's looking like they're not going to be collaborating with Ring of Honor, given the fact that Young Bucks just let their contracts expire. Uh, we don't know what their deal with New Japan is going to be. Obviously, I think Wrestle Kingdom, when we get to that whole section of the show, wrestle the Wrestle Kingdom section, that's going to be a lot of talk about, well, so-and-so will lose this match if they're going away to AEW. If they win this match, that may be a hint that there's going to be some crossover between New Japan and AEW. So a lot to, to unpack there. there. There's also a couple of WWE figures that come to mind that, uh, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura, I've heard, is, is a rumor to be join, potentially be joining that. I, there's uncertainty around his contract. With regards to uh, the time in WWE, I'd, I'm not sure if he signed a one year, two year, what, or if they just renew annually. That's details that I just don't have at the top at, at my fingertips. But he's one that I've heard mentioned several times that they're look that maybe they're actively recruiting. So I, I don't. I want to hold off on the speculation of who might go there. Uh, right now, we have conf- we'll get to that, but we have confirmed that Cody will be the executive vice president. Uh, and executive vice president. The Young Bucks also are supposedly executive vice presidents. They were uh, having like some sort of contract thing where they were holding off a little bit. I think there were some details they wanted worked out. Britt Baker has been confirmed to be signed. And then, of course, also Hangman Page has been confirmed, as well as Brandy Rhodes, naturally. But she is going to be the chief brand officer. So, yeah, we don't, we don't know what's going on with the other elite people like Marty, uh, Marty Skrull, Kenny Omega, maybe Jericho might be involved. Uh, we don't know all the names involved yet. It's all rumors at this point. But there's certainly going to be some speculation at some point on this show today. We're going to have to get to that later. But uh, yes, yes, the big news is AEW is a thing. It is happening. And uh, we will see what they have in they store. They found their Scrooge McDuck. They- <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so we will see what happens. Uh, Tuesday is the big announcement. So our next week's show, will have the full rundown of everything that they have to say at that so yes yes so big exciting stuff happening in the world of professional wrestling but we also had a lot of stuff happening specifically in wwe but in order to talk about that we got to go talk about monday night raw well we kick things off this week in monday night raw with the steel cage being lowered down to the ring, I figured this would be the main event, but nope, they're kicking it right into gear. Dolph versus Drew in a steel cage match. I'm assuming this is the blow-off of this feud because it, it, it was okay. Did it need to be a steel cage? No, the, the cage wasn't really used that much, but... You know, this is, I, you know, this is I, hold on. I've started to feel this way about steel cage matches in general. Yeah, you know why? You know why? Because steel cage matches, the way that they have them set up, makes no freaking sense. And this is just a general thing about wrestling for a, for a long time now. The rule that says to to you can escape the cage through the door or over the top to win makes no sense with the psychology of a steel cage. The point of a steel cage match is two men are locked inside to settle this beef that they have. It should be, if you escape the cage, you're disqualified. You forfeit the match, right? The psychology being two men stay in there until one of them can't get up and answer the pin. They're beating each other to a pulp. There shouldn't be this whole thing where 
He's trying to escape. He's trying to escape all the entire time, right? It, it's old Thunderdome rules. It, Two men enter, one man leaves. That's it. That's what it should be. Uh, otherwise, it the entire match is guys trying to escape out of this thing when the whole point is they're supposed to be trapped in there and they don't want to leave because if they leave, they lose the match, right? Does that not make more sense? Is that not more logical? Maybe I'm crazy. I don't... The, the, the illusion of or not the illusion, The what I allude a steel cage match to is something that is next-level brutality. It's something that is going to take them beyond what they were able to do in the squared circle and give them yet another level of you know torture and pain to to put in on one it another. It was Hell in a Cell before Hell in a Cell. Like Hell in a Cell was, was supposedly a cage match writ large, right? So now the only yep. one that they had, like, the Hell in a Cell is now what the cage match used to be. And now the cage match is kind something of. else. You know, it's 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 vanilla. Now, now Hell in a Cell is just high spots, and it's all about people getting on top of the Hell in a Cell. Well, now they sell, they so sell I, it like it's career-ending, you know? It's, 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 that's what a cage <laughs> match was supposed to be. It was supposed to take years off your right. career if you did it. But anyway, we digress. The point of this was, was that we had Dolph and Drew in this cage. As you said, it wasn't the main event. It opened the show, and as a result, it felt a little bit less important i think the real th- takeaway here was was to look at how they were selling drew and dolph and dolph was absolutely playing like a gutsy underdog baby face here which considering his long run of being a a asshole chicken shit heel is kind of interesting you'll note he'll note he didn't even come out to the scratch in his music it was just his old music there wasn't the record scratch at the beginning of it so and he uh very doggedly, you know, even though Drew did end up beating him totally clean, middle of the ring, Claymore kick, boom, Dolph kept getting up for more, you know, so the, and kept egging Drew back into the ring and saying, come on, is that all you got? He took a bunch of chair shots. He took a, a Claymore on a chair. He was sitting on a chair at one point, made Drew come all the way back down the ramp and Claymore kick him that again. That was fantastic, by the oh, way. Well, Dolph's one of the greatest sellers in wrestling. So, yeah, he sold all those Claymore kicks like death, and it was great. But as you said, okay, the feud's over. Now what? It was. It was. A, it, here's the thing. It was perfect for a New Year's show, where it was great if you watched it. It was entertaining. But in the bigger picture, it's not that big of a deal if you miss it, right? Ooh, for the fact that it's a steel cage, I agree with you. But I actually liked this as an ending to what we've had for the last six to eight months of of these two guys. Right. But if you did, this see is it. this is the culmination of the. The entrance to of or the reemergence of Drew McIntyre onto the WWE main roster, and it sets things in motion for the next four months, uh, pretty much the way we expected them. Yeah, to. they've they've kind of telegraphed this to be a thing where we're going to end up seeing Drew having a really big, if not a universal title opportunity at WrestleMania. Um, he's going to have a really big role in the WWE, you know, top of the card. Going forward, it, and I'm I'm more excited about that than I can yeah, say. And it continues to make Drew look like a monster. He do, he did say he's going for he's going for the Royal Rumble. He's going to win it. He wants to go for the title. So it, it was a good way to actually establish that uh, in a nice, vicious, brutal match. It was nothing to write home about, but it also wasn't in any way bad. I thought it was totally satisfactory. No. But uh, no. the rest of the it's show, hard to get a bad match with those two guys going at it. That's each other. very true. That's very true. Two very talented, very exciting guys. But uh, what was kind of dominating the rest of the show was the intercontinental picture, the intercontinental title picture and the fallout from the Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose feud. And a bit of a more of a look at how 
WWE is trying to create, quote, fresh starts on their programming because they've obviously won. They, they came out and said, look, we want to try to go in a different direction with Raw these days. So this all started with Seth Rollins coming out and demanding his contractual intercontinental title rematch when Triple H comes out, which right off the bat, we know they have history. This should be interesting. Triple H comes out and says, yeah, we've done away with the automatic rematch clause, which I think is, by the way, that's a very, it's a very good decision. It, it made yes. too many repetitive matches, and this way they can now have matches with more people for higher stakes, which they did on this show. Triple H says, you don't get to uh, be a part of the Intercontinental picture anymore. You lost it. You're done. You get to go face Lashley in another match. But by the way... <laughs> God, how bad is that for? Here's your consolation prize. Well, Bobby Lashley, dude. It was well. It was actually more. Here's the thing: the way that it was actually presented didn't make it sound that bad. It, what it what it sounded like was Triple H. They had a nice back and forth where Seth Rollins said, "You know, you don't like me," and Triple H said, "Actually, I really think you're pretty amazing." Uh, and when I didn't, you know, you you made me believe in you over and over and over again. And when I didn't believe in you, you took me to WrestleMania and kicked my ass. And made me believe in you again. So I need you to make me believe in you again because I feel like you've fallen off. Uh, Seth coming back saying, I've been carrying Monday Night Raw on my back. And Triple H saying, well, yeah, but you lost your intercontinental belt. So go fi- go face someone legit like Lashley. You know, that's a way to keep Lashley looking strong. It's like, go face him sure. and let me see that old Seth Rollins again. Make me respect you again. So th- this was, I thought, great stuff. Character, character-wise, right? Like calling on a few years of history to give us an idea of where they want to go with Seth. Because they do need to kind of reignite that, pardon the pun, that fire with Seth. After this yeah. Dean Ambrose feud just killed him. Oh, it it, it poured a gal- five-gallon bucket of water on <laughs> the fire that was Seth Rollins. Yeah. Um, I, so I, Bobby Lashley aside, I'm not sure how to get a read on this. On, on SmackDown, we've got Vince slapping and bringing the animal out of AJ Styles. And now on Raw, we've got Triple H bringing the animal or burning everything down from from Seth Rollins and it it feels very similar yes but in in a weird way I'm I'm going okay how wait so you want Seth to turn and be a bad guy again but he's like I don't I don't quite understand and and this match played out with him go, getting frustrated going and getting a chair pulling a charlotte essentially and and, and what we saw at TLC and and DQing the yeah. match when Leo, that's not what you're supposed to do in that yeah, role. Yeah, well, but at the same time, maybe they're trying to get more edge on Seth, which I think is would be a good look for him. You know, they had Leo Rush yeah. interfering in the Bobby Lashley match the entire time. Seth finally got frustrated, as you said, and hits Lashley with a chair, and then starts going to town on the two of them. Stomps Leo Rush into the next dimension. That boy sold that stomp like I haven't seen a, a stomp sell like that since Brock Lesnar. That was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but I. So I saw one of the comments that said uh, worst spinneroonie ever because he rolled around on his head a little bit, or best, or best. Uh, that was or best. That was the best comment I ever or saw. Best spinneroonie. I don't know, but I don't know, Booker T would have something to say about but that. But this is the thing: is that I I I am curious now. Like we're okay. I, I actually think this was better done than the AJ and Vince thing because Vince is I don't know. Vince didn't know how to portray what he wanted out of AJ the, the acting between them over on we'll get on we'll get to that on Smackdown I got a lot to say about oh, that let's boy. save that we'll save we'll save that but the, <laughs> but that's the thing is this was presented more clearly and I liked this better um yeah. I, I I'm curious to see where this goes the one last thing I want to touch on before we move on to the other part of the intercontinental title picture is 
what was up with Seth Rollins throwing shade at Mojo Rawley in that speech where he said, I had great matches with so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, I even got a good match out of Mojo Rawley. What? Damn. Damn. <laughs> what? Wow. On, on one hand, it's good that your your name is being mentioned at the premiere segment of the show, but on the other hand, it's being said in a negative context. I don't know how to take in that. In a very you know, negative context. The, I thought Mojo in was... The, in, the, in the way that there's no such thing as bad press, I mean, well, but I, that's about I, it. We had heard at one point that Mojo was due for a push, and he did get a very small push. I don't know whose coffee he crapped in, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Last time I saw him, I was kind of like, ah, he's got some good points to him. I didn't know he was he had any heat backstage or anything. This made me this made me scratch my head and wonder what's up with Mojo Rawley's backstage uh, uh, demeanor. Like, what's what's going on this here? This entire thing made me scratch my head, <laughs> and it just well speaking from from top to bottom, all the way getting down to what we what this ultimately led mm-hmm. to was a battle royal. Of Mojo Rawley, yeah. Exactly. With basically the entire undercard, uh, Baron Corbin and even Apollo. Well, Cruz it was the cast of main event and the tag division. <laughs> yes. Right. That's basically who this was. You had the Lucha House Party. You had the B team, Titus Worldwide, or the remnants of it, like you said, Apollo Cruz and Titus O'Neil. You had Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins of all people, Tyler Breeze, No Way Jose it was actually in a match on Raw. The Ascension, as we said, Mojo Raleigh, Finn Balor was like the one big name in it, and Baron Corbin was the other. So, real quick though, was this another slap in the face for the tag division? Where it's because where we okay, so we were talking about the tag division. The two the tag champs right now are two singles wrestlers who've been put together in a tag team, and here we have what is called a number one contendership battle royal for the Intercontinental Championship, filled more than halfway by tag teams. And had they had any of them won this, they would have been wrestling as singles wrestlers. They couldn't fill this with the singles wrestlers. They had to use all the tag teams to fill out this battle royale because they had nothing else for And them. the singles wrestlers are filling up the tag team spots, and they're the current champions. And you take your 33 and the third minus the 25. Exactly. That's my whole problem with this thing is because I just, ah. I don't know. They're, but, they're, sa- they're sacrificing them all. To the poor writing nice. on this show. Uh, so when when this when we when we cut back, Baron, we, we come back from commercial. Baron Corbin's music is playing. He's he gets an entrance. Nobody else does. They're all already in the ring. And I'm looking around the ring. I'm doing a quick scan. Going okay, 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 okay. <laughs> is this for Baron Corbin? Are we gonna? Is he gonna? Is this his resurgence thing? Ah, there's Apollo yep. Crew. Ah, yep. okay. I called Apollo so about I, a third of the way through this match. Yeah, because I was looking around going. Yeah, this if this isn't going to be a joke, if this is for real is going to be an Intercontinental Championship kind of match, it's got to be a face because it's Dean Ambrose, and it's got to be um, somebody that is legitimate enough that could go up and take And it's someone that him. has to have a... That's, it's a fresh start, so someone new that we haven't seen in a while. All the pieces fit together. But has maybe getting a little bit of a push recently, exactly. or at least a little bit of stuff. So I, that's why I went Apollo, maybe with a little bit of a Finn Balor, Baron Corbin wild card in the back of my head. Uh, I, and sure enough... Halfway through the match, Apollo Crews eliminates half the damn ring, and we're left with Apollo Crews, Kurt Hawkins, and Baron Corbin standing in the in the middle of the ring. And I kind of went, "Is this where 
Is this where Kurt Hawkins wins one? Are they going to pull a fast one on his Kurt, ear? So here's the and thing. Just completely they've been, they've that? been putting some shine on Kurt lately. Like I think he's going to break his losing streak this year. With the they're building the story on it. They really are. Where he was one of the last three. He was on the final three. As you said, though, Apollo literally eliminated eight guys out of the sixteen in there, and he was one of the sixteen. So out of fifteen other guys, he eliminated eight, including Finn Balor. I believe Corbin was nine. Um, I believe it was nine. I'd have to double check, I, but I, I, for some reason, well, he, I remember, it was at least it was a eight, lot of people. Right. Basically, they made Apollo look great because after he won the Battle Royale, he had to go and have a match with Dean Ambrose later on in the show. Like they went, they went right into it. They're like, "Cool, we're having the Intercontinental match on this show." And there was a lot of exciting things on the show. Like to Raw's credit, they were doing a better job of making exciting, new, interesting matches and then paying off stuff right away, as opposed to making us wait. So there was a lot of propulsion in general on this show as far as the writing, so props where props are due. There was one thing that I was curious about, and that was that Finn was eliminated by Corbin, excuse me, not Apollo. Um, And I was wondering, oh no, please don't let this be the beginning of another feud between Finn Balor and Baron Corbin. Except that after the match, Corbin started complaining about getting eliminated, and out came Elias to beat him up and to have a little thing. Elias came and sang a song and whatnot. So is it going to be a Finn Balor and Baron Corbin feud, an Elias and Corbin feud? Should Corbin just go away for a while? I'm I'm very curious what's going on there. But uh, as we were saying, so Apollo Crews gets his intercontinental shot at Dean Ambrose later in the show. And it was a match that the audience was completely and utterly dead for. Nobody cared. <laughs> not, well, not, no one thought that Apollo one person, was beating him. They did these these big pans across the ring a couple of times where you could see like the the audience at the rails and you know pretty deep into the arena they had it lit up and there wasn't a person on their feet. There was nobody with their hands up. I didn't see any posters. Nobody cared. Dean has, in my opinion, Dean has absolutely killed his own heel turn with the heel character that he is projecting. You know, during the Battle Royale, he was watching it on a monitor backstage, as they do, but he was just mugging back and forth, like doing big old like spit takes and, and like double takes on the match. He had a promo before his match with Apollo uh, where that was just more Dean Ambrose gibberish where there's just too much verbiage and not enough meat you know what i mean and and not enough of a sense of this guy is a scary heel i should be intimidated by him which you should be because he's playing a guy who can actually beat you he's not playing a chicken shit necessarily although he will run away in certain circumstances he's playing a guy who can legit beat you and he did legit beat apollo cruz and cruz looked great in this match he got to bust out all his big baby face moves which he has a, a ton of but Dean ends up giving him the dirty deeds one, two, three after taking a, a ton of abuse. So Dean is still supposed to be a scary heel, but instead he just looks like a bad Macklemore ripoff when he sp- thinks he's supposed to be looking like Bane with that stupid jacket of his. Yeah. So I, I, and I personally, I can't lay this at the feet of the writers anymore. I can't lay this at the feet of creative. This is on Dean now where it's his presentation. You know, it's not like they're giving him something to work with and it's how he's now presenting it. That I think is killing it. Like I, I'm, I'm done giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's on him now. Whatever the opposite of grabbing the brass ring is, that's what he's doing. There's some work they could do on the end if they're going to keep the stupid air raid siren thing in his themes. I mean, line it up a little bit better. Come on, CFOs, you guys know how this this works. You oh learned God. that lesson with Seth <laughs> and your- the burn it down timing and everything. Well, first we'll start there. That's second. I hope we never see gas masks shit again. 
I agree with you on the yeah. Macklemore reference. And, and it's like Macklemore and Bane had a, you know, a, a crazy stepkid or something. And it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going on yeah, with Dean. This turn sucks. And why is Dean Macklebros, he's supposed to be a loner. Why does he have these security guards? Why would he, right? Isn't he supposed to be like a, a psychotic loner? But no, he comes out in his thrift store jacket with all these like, you know, SWAT guys for no apparent reason. It doesn't doesn't make any sense and it doesn't i I don't mind there's some things that that don't make sense that i'm like but it's cool so i don't mind this isn't it's not it's not gelling it's not gelling and i want to say it's just me but listen to that crowd uh what crowd they were they were absent exactly so we we thing so we also had a match between uh, natalia and ronda rousey natalia got beaten up backstage earlier in the show by tamina and naya Jax which leads to a tag match between Natalia Ronda and Tamina and Nia. It felt to me like a closing chapter, but I honestly, you probably disagree because, because it's you, but I was entertained by this match. I thought it was, it was a bit of a callback, a bit of a retread, but it was also, again, Ronda just freaking electricity. Tamina is a walking botch, and Nia <laughs> is... You know, even even Rhonda spider monkeying all over her upside down, trying to get her in an arm bar while Nia's still standing. That's beautiful. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful to watch yeah. Rhonda do that kind of stuff, that judo y kind of stuff. But uh, I just, you know, when she crawled up with Rhonda on her shoulders up to the top rope to do that super Samoan drop thing that she heard Alexa Bliss doing. I just started going, oh God, guys, this is your, this is your show pony. This is a million and a half dollar contract. You, oh. yeah, but it was, it was fine. It was fine. The, the, the real botch came when Tamina tried to do a splash off the top turn. Basically just jumped down. Ronda was supposed feet. to get her knees up and it just, it's no, no, the, the real one was when <laughs> was Natty, bad. they were supposed to be doing like a, an opposing cross body into each other. Oh, that was it was just, it was one of the worst oh, yeah. things. So that was one of 27 like, different botches that Tamina uh, had during this match i can't even i can't even call that a car wreck because at least car wrecks like things right. crash beautifully that was more like two wheelbarrows like banging against each other and just falling over you've seen bad. those things where uh but, people uh, grown adults ride power wheels down the downhill and they just start <laughs> tumbling inevitably and it's a it's a complete ma- that's kind of what this was to me you know yeah the barbie the barbie car right. off-road games yeah. absolutely yeah but the, no but this actually was entertaining and and, and ronda <laughs> Rhonda just saved the whole thing for me, at least. Uh, and I was, and we all kissed and it, hugged and it was I, Rhonda and Natty and yay. Yeah. And Natty, yay, nice way to end yeah. the year. Yay. Natty and Rhonda are happy. I was not as happy with the fact that for the billionth time, it was supposed to be having new starts for the billionth time. Bailey, Ember Moon and Sasha Banks had a match against the freaking riot squad. I've actually seen a, a, a chart showing how many times that these women have seen have faced each other in some form or another since SummerSlam. And it's like three times a week. It's insane. It's crazy. Uh, and I know that they're trying to lead up to the tag titles with this. This is one of the worst ways they could have done it, especially when they're just going to put it on the Bella Twins anyway. Oh, don't say so. that. No. Too late. I said it. Too late. Oh, it's too no. late. You know what's oh, happening. This whole show is you know ruined. We have to stop. I'm sorry, guys. It's, you know what's going to oh. happen. Sorry. I, I want sorry. to believe that this whole, the reason that they're just in this stasis is because we're just, they're next. Because Ruby's next. Because we could see a Bailey or Sasha maybe push next. I, I just I want to believe that there's so much going on at the top of the card right now that, uh, especially in the women's division, and even more especially over on SmackDown, 
that by the time we get to WrestleMania, there's not going to be room for anything else. So I'm hoping that this is all combination of tag team, you know, prologue plus, you know, let's let's hold off and not confuse everybody with other big prominent women's feuds for the time being. I it's a holding yeah. pattern. It's just a holding yeah. pattern is all it is. And it's it's frustrating because I mean, and, and just that time of year, I, I can't be too mad at it. I understand they're, they're It's the time of year they're trying to keep this stuff going between them until it's time to really go with the tag team titles. It's not even on the Hulu edition. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're not making a big deal out of it, but when they actually try to inject some sort of importance into this feud, we will already have seen it a billion times and we're not going to care as much. And that's the danger here. So, you know, they're bringing, they're they're bringing up a lot of new talent. They got to bring up a lot more women. If they're going to do a tag division and free up more time on the Monday night raw schedule, frankly. Yeah. Well, it's three hours. <laughs> if they can't find time in three hours, Nick. Uh, we also, speaking of stuff that we had on, on Raw to fill time, Jinder Mahal and the Singh Brothers versus Rhino and uh, Heath Slater in a Who Gives a Crap match. There was some Singh Brother interference. Jinder Mahal wins with a coloss. That's pretty much all to, there is to say about this. Hashtag gender finish. Hashtag gender finished. Yep, yeah, still happening. Still happening. Just thankfully not with the title yeah. involved. Backstage, we had a uh, uh, we, a walking Alexa Bliss promo. Uh, apparently, I I don't know. I want to talk about this a little bit off to the side if I can. It, 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 do we have any word on her condition? Is she officially page status and done? Um, no, any updates on her injury from, from your sources or anything like that? Nothing that I've seen. Uh, it's still indefinite, but it's not conclusive yet. So she's not, she's not paged out or, or anything like that, but at the same time, she's also not right. So I guess the reason I wanted to ask that that is because I'm I'm getting very clear signals that between Baron and her kind of co-GMing her doing the women's division. And now what we've heard this week was she's going to now have a, you know, when all else fails, give them a talk show. So this worked really well right. for Kevin Owens, and this, you know, it, the Miz is about the only one this has ever really worked for. Maybe our truth, you could say. But at the same time, Jericho, sure, Jericho. But we had a walking backstage promo with Alexa Bliss introducing her new show, A Moment of Bliss, which, I, I, if I'm remembering right, she used to do those little side promos, taped promos, called A Moment of Bliss. They which were, were fantastic. Great. Which were great. I'm worried about yep. putting this in a live setting and having real conversations when the best we have to go on with her is Bailey, this is your life. I was just gonna bring that up. That we have we I think everyone has a sour taste in their mouth from the few times that she has had in ring talking segments with other people that are are as close as you can get to a talk show kind of format. That she yeah. has here, you know, like there was the one question and answer session with Sasha and Bailey from a few weeks ago that was painful twice uh right right well one real one and another one that just was ended quickly thankfully but yeah so this is i think this is a dangerous experiment uh given the fact that the fans are already and and not in a not good heat are already against this uh so i am i am you you, what do we always say skeptically optimistic yeah i'm i'm cautiously skeptical I'm, I'm nervous. Isn't that the same thing? I'm nervous. <laughs> that's a subtle. This is a subtle difference. I, I'm nervous about this. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with it. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but you know, I, I of all the things they could be doing with Alexa Bliss, I don't think this is the best thing to do. 
Uh, but again, as you said, she's on the sideline. She's talented. She's good on the mic. She's got to do something. So, hey, run out the flagpole. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see what they got. Let's see what. Let's, let's see, see what, what happens. In addition to that, next week they announced that John Cena, Braun Strowman, and Brock Lesnar will all be on Monday Night Raw. Did you see any fresh starts this week? Because I, I did. I did see. Like, like I said, I thought that the show was more propulsive. They had more meaning in more matches. Still some detritus on the sidelines, but overall, I think moving in the right direction. But did you like? I know we said that they're not really going to get going with the new direction until somewhere in January. But did you did you see did you feel it this week? Uh, I'm going to say until after the results of Royal Rumble, it will kick into gear. Um, I think that's oh, when wow. it will. So we got three more weeks, four more weeks, maybe before we really start to see um, some some effect uh, out of this. I, I think the the fresh start thing. I, I, I liked the hot poker to Seth Rollins that kind of happened this week. I'll, I'll say that one, but aside from that, it, it feels more like things are wrapping up and things are finishing of existing stuff than it did of new stuff starting. And I think that's going to be the MO for January. Let's tie pretty bows on everything that's been going on and go into Rumble. And that's that's why I say I think we're going to come off the back of Royal Rumble with this fresh start, air quotes. Well, that that is when the road to WrestleMania begins, Nick, is after the Royal Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of the Royal Rumble, we did have some more seeds planted for the road to the Royal Rumble, which is the road to WrestleMania, over on SmackDown Live. Well, this week on SmackDown Live, for the first time in a year, in more than a year... JBL appeared on SmackDown Live. I was Wait, not what? expecting this. What? JBL J- came back. JBL? He was on, oh, he was on SmackDown I get it. You're Live. Re- you're referring to John Cena and his insane haircut. Wait, that wasn't that John Cena. I know. I, I it took me a second. At first, I thought Jim Carrey had just gotten really yoked. <laughs> and I swear up, he's uh, the illegitimate child of jo- jo- John Bradshaw Layfield. I, there is oh no that that haircut. If he had put a cowboy hat on, I would have lost my. I would have my mind would have been blown. At least he had the common sense to make fun of it himself in the ring. Uh, when, yeah. when he, he said, uh, "You know, I, I'm off doing this and that, and somehow I still think this is a, this haircut's a good idea." So at least he knows. I, it, maybe it's for a part. Who knows what it's for? It the is. Fact is he, he did come out and say, I believe it was Ellen. He was on or something this week. Uh, he is, they, they've asked him for his next role called project X, of course, um, to, uh, to grow his hair out. So, okay, mm, we'll eh, see. Fine. It's fine. It's, it's, Hey man, it's great meme fodder in the meantime is all I'm going to say. Social media is ablaze. Uh, (laughs) It's not that he came back. It's that, Oh my God, he has something besides a high and tight buzz cut. It was, it was bad enough at the, uh, the showdown under, uh, the super showdown, but it, man, Oh, they, they tore him a new one this week. But they were the only ones. Social media wasn't the only ones tearing him a new one. He came back in the ring and said that uh, people were wondering what he was doing there. And he said, well, you know, it seems to happen every time I come back to the show is some man walks down the ring and challenge me, challenges me and wants to talk smack. So let's see who it is this week. I, I have no idea. And, of course, who would it be but not a man? It was the, the man, man. The man. Becky Lynch comes down and, and does talk smack to John Cena and says, uh, you're – old business, I'm here to take your face off of all of the production trucks and off all the posters and have it be mine instead. And Nikki Bella isn't going to be the only woman to excuse you or to show you the door. Yeah, The self-deprecating nature of the Nikki Bella 
you know, catastrophe. I completely, I, I loved that. I loved him doing it, and I loved them even throwing an iron uh, or Becky throwing an iron at him about it. I loved so, 90% of the dynamics in this whole segment with Becky coming out and talking smack to John Cena and then kind of randomly, but uh, Zelina Vega and Cien Almas coming out and talking smack to both Becky Lynch and John Cena until we got a match made and we had a, a mixed tag match between the four of them. Uh, and then a, a very exciting match, not surprising given the talent in the ring. Uh, ultimately, of course, John Cena does get the win Win with, uh, well, like three or four of the six moves of Doom. I mean, I, I loved his retort to D- Zelina Vega, by the way, when she came out. Hi, maybe you don't know us. I'm Zelina Vega. This is Andrade Cien Almas. And, she's, and he turns back and says, oh, hi. Well, you're new, so you might not know me. I'm John Cena. I'm a 16-time world champion. No, he's <laughs> just... The best part and, was and he, she, said, he says... And Padre, says, she could kick your ass. He says... He says Hi, I'm John Cena. You may know me from being John Cena. Good Brilliant. Line. Yeah, good line. Good line. <laughs> but no, this was this was a nice little segment. I thought the one, and, and please understand, just a nitpick. The one thing was Becky was coming across as being so much more babyface. She actually threw, after the match was over, she threw John Cena out of the ring. Excuse me, I believe actually she got the pin on Zelina Vega. She did, uh, disarm her, um, tap out. Yeah, she, ta- she she disarmed her. But not before she um, threw John Cena out of the ring. She threw John Cena out and said, I'm getting this victory. Uh, and disarmored to Zelina Vega. And then she gave you know, the you can't see me to uh, to John Cena as he walked away and gave her the smirk. Or she she walked out and gave a smirk. I don't Bottom line was was that she showed up, John Cena, and he ended up kind of smir- like smiling about it and being like, all right, I see you. I got it. I got it. I see how it is. This didn't feel like Becky Lynch was a badass so much as she was a cocky pseudo face. And I worry a little bit about how they're portraying her character here. I like it, but it's a little bit. Mm, it's a, it's uh, it's not quite hitting the notes. I think they want to hit with this character, at least not this week. It's not I'm, again. It was a nitpick. It's not a big deal. Just didn't all ring home for me as being the right tone. Is, Does that make sense? Yes. Is it weird that John Cena already feels like a nostalgia act? <laughs> no, he's felt like a nostalgia act for three years. Um, I, Ever it, since it's almost like 2004, losing. The Rock showing back up. You know, it, it's it's well, kind of one of those situations for me. But to, to your point about Becky Lynch, I don't, I'm not concerned. The crowd and the WWE universe are so behind whatever. She could probably go kick a puppy and they would still cheer for her at this point. Well, Rome didn't fall in a day. I'm just saying. Know, it's a little thing. It's a little thing. She is on a absolute path now. And there's yep. not much that's going to derail that, regardless of, I mean, short of a 74-year-old man behind the curtain with a headset on, there's not much that's going to derail that at this point. Oh. He's, he's obviously on the Becky train, and he obviously also, by the way, is on the Cien Almas train, because you don't get just picked out of the back for no reason to work John Cena on his return. I'm going to throw that out there. Yes, he lost clean to John freaking Cena. Yes, Zelina Vega tapped out. To Becky freaking Lynch. This is absolutely a sign to me that they have a ton of confidence and love for Cien Almas, that they would have him come out there and work Cena. Because here's the thing. Cena goes back through that that curtain, back in the real gorilla, and goes, man, Cien Almas, is, he's pretty good to work with. You're a made man. Yep. And the fact that he's already at this level, yeah. People who are like, oh, there's no, there's no path for Cien Almas, there's no storyline. 
he's working the top guys. Matches with he's AJ, fine. matches with Daniel Bryan, just the the entire top of the card on SmackDown Live. He's been through it yeah. now. And and yeah. regardless of win or loss, the fact that, like you said, and, and look again at Mustafa Ali, what's happening with him, yep. right? We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. The, again, I'm seeing that kind of, when you see the le- the new talent getting that kind of presence, I guess is the is the word I want to use there. It's it it says loads about what they think yeah. about them behind the curtain, and they're showing that he's a contender. At any point, he starts winning a couple of these matches, and boom, he can be in the title picture. You know, they're they're, they're absolutely keeping him in the conversation for him. it. It so reminds I, me eerily of uh, early days Rusev with Lana. It, well, except he's not on a, a nonstop winning streak like Rusev was. Sure, but the the principles apply. He's he was working okay. with everybody, right? Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. But but uh, but Rusev was working a lot of guys who would put him over, you know, like Big Show, Mark Henry, that kind of thing. Um, I think this is a bit different of a push. Rusev was being built up to to feed John Cena. I get the feeling like Cena almost is 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 a bit of a different animal here, where he's actually getting to work the big guys, and even though he's losing to them, they can turn him around into those because now we've we've gotten used to seeing him in matches with these guys, and it's just one day he figures them out, quote unquote, in kayfabe. And he's off to the races, and he suddenly becomes a contender. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with it right now. In, any given week, that guy could be U.S. championship material. Bing. You know exactly, exactly. So. Uh, so New Day. Let's let's move on. New Day actually opened the show and celebrated the Happy New Year by coming out all in their finest. We had uh, Kofi in a in a nice jacket and Xavier in a nice suit and Big E dressed as a gigantic new year's baby complete with adult diapers <laughs> I, I i don't know what in the world is going on but i i'm eating it up i, I am lapping <laughs> it up like a cat i just think it's it's you're eating up biggie's diaper pancakes i'm, I'm just just keep feeding me that stuff because it, it's hilarious uh, this is this uh, is pure comedy to me and pulling pancakes out of his diaper and throwing them into the crowd uh, and and watching uh, people actually consume them it is I, I laugh nonstop about that kind of stuff because yeah it's it's I, it's not it's not big show New Year's baby uh, <laughs> big big show no, this is, yeah no this, this here's the thing they're still funny and they were not given a whole lot to work with let's be clear they were told to go out there get the crowd hype for the show and then announce that there were, we were going to have a match between Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy for the final spot in a fatal five-way number one contenders match, which is a lot of information to get across when you're just out there to have fun, right? They, have, they were given a lot of information to get across, and it, they had a hard time even getting it out, but it was still they made it fun. Like, the New Day still is money, in my opinion. Uh, uh, they, still, they somehow were able to get it across. They, they did start to... I'm wondering if they're going to switch the gimmick again now. We've gone from bootios to pancakes, and now they made a big speech about a New Year's resolution from their doctors where they can't have pancakes anymore. You know, hashtag carbs. But, you know, and it alluded to this whole thing about Big E sneaking and eating pancakes out of his diaper, whatever. But I'm wondering if this is a, a, you know, a bit of a prologue to them going to... What, are, they going to are they going to steal steaks and waste and just start coming out with pulling... Uh, fillets and ribeyes uh, out of their pants. Hot take, now. hot take. New Day turns heel, starts throwing broccoli into the crowd. Ooh. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Yes. Oh, man. That would be amazing. Uh, wow. I, that that kind of blew my mind. That, that would be fantastic. New Day charcuterie. Come and get it. <laughs> or, 
Char, or not not charcuterie, uh, crudite. New new day, new crudite, new crudite. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so we had, as we said, we did have another match between Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe, which I thought was really good. Actually, I thought this was a great hard hitting match. Like they went at each other. It felt like they didn't like each other. Uh, we even had a nice spot on the outside towards the end where Samoa Joe and Jeff were tussling outside the ring while there was a count. Joe chokes out Jeff outside the ring in, uh, and then Jeff barely beats the count, gets back in and Joe puts him right back into the clutch and, and, Knocks him out. Yep. Puts him to sleep. I, th- I did. I thought that was really well done, too. Jeff runs back in at like 9.95 and just barely gets oh. back in. Beautifully done. Really well executed there. And uh, to get right back into it, I- I'm almost wondering if that was, you know, uh, was that planned? That's, I thought the same thing. I was like, really? That was, oh, huh. Was Jeff supposed to get counted out did there? He throw he it, did he throw just... it? Yeah. Did he throw him in the... Because the fact that he put him right back in the clutch only for him to go to sleep, I thought it would have been better if this is something they wanted to continue or run into the five-way where maybe Jeff comes in and interferes or screws over Samoa Joe. I thought that's where they were going with this whole thing, where he chokes him out to right. get him counted out. But when he ran back in, threw him right back into the clutch and immediately went to sleep, I just went, huh, yeah. something, something uh, wrong. Whatever. Yeah. It, it it sent Joe into that fatal five way looking extremely strong, and that was and he kept looking strong even through the fatal five way. It was a match with uh, Ray Mysterio, Randy Orton, uh, AJ Styles, Mustafa freaking Ali. Good lord, he's having he's having a 2019 already, and of course, as we said, Samoa Joe. So that's a that's a good looking match right there, and it was a fantastic match. That fatal five way was awesome. It was fantastic. Joe puts AJ through the announce table like without even jumping. Just like single-hand Uranagi power slams him into the table and it collapses. And then just starts like screaming about, oh, so there was so much to like in this match. And then he turns and locked onto Randy Orton and I thought that was, that was, yes, (laughs) yes. The the moment of this match for me was... We got to see a lot of Mysterio spots, and it was almost like, oh, my God, Mustafa Ali loves Rey Mysterio, and we got 27 different 619s from Rey Mysterio uh, in this match. But there was one where Rey was work- was coming off the ropes in between uh, several different 619s. Randy Orton, hashtag out of nowhere, grabs that little man and power slams him into the next universe. <laughs> I don't know. You can go back to Goldberg. You can talk about Samoa Joe, Randy Orton's history of snap. You mean gold dust. Snap. Gold dust. I'm sorry. Go- Goldberg. S- gold dust. Thank you. Yes. Goldberg, known for his power slam. Uh, that power slam was one of the fastest. I mean, when you work with a little guy like that and you can just throw yeah. him around, and I, Randy, it just Randy looks six, that six much more devastating. And yeah. you know, <laughs> my hats off to Ray for taking taking that power Woo. slam from Randy because that was that was nasty. I I think I said something while I was watching the show that to the effect of when Randy gives a crap, he's just one of the most beautiful looking wrestlers. Like he's just he's so smooth, he's so crisp, like it's amazing that he has it in his genetic makeup. You know, that guy is just pure wrestling. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's, he's such a great heel, too. But uh, no, th- and as you were saying, Ray, so Rey Mysterio and Mustafa Ali, they even gave them a nice little segment where they just got to work each other alone in the ring for, for a bit of time, too. This definitely felt like, uh, you know, welcome to SmackDown Mustafa Ali. You know, he was the rookie in this match, definitely the underdog in a lot of the segments here. Been that way um, for about a month now, in, in a sense. Held his own. Held his own, yeah. though. 
and it was a uh, it was a lot of fun to watch him do this match. So, but at uh, but at the end, I was actually very surprised by this. Uh, Rey Mysterio uh, connects with the six one nine, and uh, and then he gets pulled out of the ring. Joe grabs him, pulls him out. Orton's lying in the ring, still from the six one nine. AJ comes out of nowhere at the end, gives him the springboard four fifty, and picks up the win. So. This match was for, as we said, the number one contendership for the WWE Championship. Now it's confirmed, AJ versus Daniel Bryan again at the Royal Rumble. I'm not over it yet. I'm totally happy to see another match between these guys. Fine. There's obviously something else they're trying to say here. We had another segment on this show, uh, a really awful one, by the way, between AJ and Vince, and uh, Shane was there too, where... We're, they were going over that weird segment from last week where Vince was trying to draw out the animal, as you said, the Batista inside uh, AJ Styles. And uh, AJ ends up hitting him and knocking him over. And AJ comes in backstage this this week before this Fatal Five Way and says, I'm not sorry for what I did last week. I'd do it again. Uh, try me, basically. And it was just weird. And the acting was terrible and like like actively terrible, this acting. Uh, I, I, did, I, I don't, don't like this at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they're doing. This I don't know where this is going to go. What this has, what this has to do with Daniel Bryan? What this has to do with AJ and Daniel Bryan? If they're trying to show that AJ has somehow got this emotional weakness, which has been their story with him for most of the years, that AJ is emotionally weak, even though he's you know phenomenal. Yeah, through three different so, feuds now. It's yeah. All right. I'm I'm not quite sure. Like that, just that AJ Vince thing here is weird to me. Everything else is great. Just the AJ Vince thing, again, just because the backstage segment was so awful and so poorly done in terms of the performances. Um, I, you know, again, AJ's not an actor. Vince has been doing it for years and years, but somehow, somewhere along the line, he's become very weird in his mannerisms. Yeah, all you know all I mean? his different facial expressions and emotes is very cringy and awkward, and I, I'm just not a fan like I used to be. I used to love Vince McMahon in segments. I used to love Vince McMahon yeah. in the ring interacting with superstars i think the last great thing that in my mind that i really enjoyed of his was with kevin owens when he took the headbutt from Hardway from kevin owens uh, yeah. a year ago so i i this i don't i don't understand this is one of your top faces in the company what are you doing like, <laughs> what are you doing yep. to, to aj styles and the p1 merch and everything else that he represents to the WWE for the last two years. Yeah, AJ's not a good actor. Don't expose that. You know oh. what I mean? Like he, there are times when he can work. And there's times when it doesn't. And you know when he's working opposite of Vince and obviously doesn't have his lines all the way memorized. Uh, it does. It's not working. So I think that that's one thing that like this needs to be more clear. This needs to be more clear what the intentions are. Like Vince needs to be put more on script. He can't just ad lib because he's he's incapable of it at this point. Yeah. And if he is on a script, then. God help us all if that's him on a script. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I, we'll see where this goes. Like I said, it's all good except for this acting between Vince and AJ right now. I don't know. Uh, I, in my eyes, I would have rather seen somebody besides AJ at the Rumble, even if it's just an intermediary between the until the next AJ Styles encounter and let this, whatever the hell they're trying to do, let it evolve a little bit more. Because this feels like a mess, and we're going to get thrown right back into it at Royal Rumble. I, I hope they, they right the ship a little bit. Well, once again, we have, we have quite a few weeks left to define this build a little bit more now that we've, we know it's AJ versus Daniel Bryan again. Okay, we have a clear destination. 
they're obviously trying to do something with the AJ character. So let's see where they go with it. You know what I mean? I, if they have an idea of where they're going, hopefully the clearing up of his destination will help along this path, the story that they're trying to tell here. You're right. Uh, another story that I'm actually kind of surprised is continuing, but I'm also happy it's continuing, is Rusev Day versus Nakamura. Rusev came out to cut a nice little baby face promo about how he uh, he's now he smells so delicious and his beard is so luscious and he's now the U.S. champ. And I'm sorry, maybe it's just me. It was really weird to see Rusev holding up the U.S. title and chanting Rusev Day USA. Let's give it, lest we forget give it, a year ago the or a year and a half ago the flag match with John uh, Cena. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's try. I tried to forget it. Yeah, he was like like a one prototypical 1980s foreign heel even as recently as 2017 and now it's rusev day usa what makes about as much sense as knock america well but at least i don't know Uh, (laughs) i I mean is what it's not is nakamura now the evil foreign i don't know the evil foreign heel i did it's whatever two foreigners at a foreign heel angle oh ah! that that (laughs) head explode but no, here's the thing. At least I liked what they did with... I, I, like for, I like what Rusev and Nakamura do together in the ring. They have fantastic chemistry. So if this is continuing, I'm fine with that. Nakamura hopped in the ring. Lana uh, beat up Rusev from the behind. Lana jumped on his back. He ends up injuring Lana, uh, but doesn't care and continues to beat the crap out of Rusev. That dirty, dirty Nakamura heel. I love it. Uh, but so this apparently... Continuing, I, I'm of the belief that they tweaked this feud, and now I like the positioning of both men better. I don't like Nakamura as the stale champ. I like Rusev as like the super babyface champ with this evil guy coming in and screwing up his day. Pardon the pun. Yes. I, I, I like, like that as well. I kind of wish they would give Nakamura a bit of a break. Uh, he's been so stale for the last few months. I almost wanted to see a few, a different feud evolve and maybe end up culminating at Royal Rumble. It looks like we're probably going to get lead to Nakamura again at Rumble against Rusev. Not terribly mad at it, but because no. of what has gone down with Nakamura across 2018, I, I just I'm going. Eh. Their Christmas match was fantastic, so I, I'm down to see more Rusev Nakamura, especially if they add more stakes to this. Fantastic. Great. Bring it on, I say. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think Nakamura needs to be shelved at all. I think he needs to get out there. That's the problem. He's stale because he wasn't doing anything for six months. Get him out there. Have him doing something. Have him putting on these matches, not ones that end with a cock knock. Have him put on a match and have him look like a scary guy again. That's it. Period. That's all you need with him right now, you know. And hopefully, he, hopefully, he goes out there and actually does some work. Yeah. So, well, hey, you called it. Work. I have to give you credit. You yeah. you called it. Unfortunately, <laughs> yep. We are getting into a cheating angle, uh, so to speak, with Mandy Rose and as, I guess it's Jimmy Uso uh, leading yep. to feud with Mandy, Sonia, and Naomi, Jimmy's wife. Mm. Uh, I, oh boy. I gotta say, so yeah, I may have watched wrestling for a bit. I may have seen this coming. <laughs> Here we go again. Yep. That being said, so far, I'm not mad at it because it doesn't seem as tawdry and as Jerry Springer-ish as we would have expected 10 or 20 years ago. So far, it's just Mandy trying to get under Naomi's skin and her and Sonya working as a team to try and essentially 
move up in the power rankings, if you will, by messing with Naomi's head. We haven't really seen Jimmy respond to this at all. What this was this week was uh, was Mandy coming out to the ring. Naomi's already in the ring. Mandy and Sonya coming out. And uh, at Naomi's still mad at Mandy last week for hitting on Jimmy Uso backstage. And uh, as Naomi's getting ready to beat up Mandy, she finds out that Sonya is actually her opponent for this match instead of Mandy. And while she and Sonya are in the match, having a pretty good athletic match, Sonya's fantastic, Mandy interrupts the match to say, oh, by the way, while I was getting ready for this match today, I just happened to send your husband a picture. And bam, up on the Titantron shows up uh, Mandy in nothing but a towel. And, uh, of course, this drives Naomi insane, distracts her, ends Me up too. taking a nice nice shooting cut. Yeah. <laughs> not, in, not in the way you think. Uh, oh, this really? is Tori Wilson it- circa 2005 kind of BS. Um, you know, it, it's I, I, my biggest fear. Mandy Rose is a legitimate fitness, strong woman, all kinds of stuff like that. Deserves a spot, a legitimate spot in, in, in wrestling. And I if agree. they go down this route of making her what they wanted out of Eva Marie, ultimately, I'm going to be really pissed off because uh, they are going to waste there, my a, friend. And, Have you seen her entrance? I have, and it's it's kind of this anyway. I'm going to be really upset because this could be a legitimate strong woman in the WWE, and I'm right, I, I'm I'm horrified that they're going down this route. I I I have to say I could it I could be more horrified only because so far I'm I'm forgiving it only because it seems more tactical. Than, it, than than just pure sleazy, you know what I mean? Like they are making it look like this is a tactical decision by a couple of heels trying to win matches, as opposed to just I'm a whore and I want to hit on your man. And you know, days of our lives, Jerry Springer kind of. I'll crap. say what you just described as the iconics. This is going down the whore route in a sense, you know. Well. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if this leads to to tag matches in the future, or if this is going to be a, an ongoing feud between Mandy and Naomi, or what. I do know that the 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 rumors backstage are that Vince is all about Mandy Rose. Not surprising. She is his type in every way, shape, and form. And this angle absolutely has Vince's greasy fingers all over them. There's greasy fingerprints all over it. So we'll see where this goes. Hopefully, as I said, it stays on the tactical heel side of it and and stops going into Gary Springer territory. Yeah. Uh, so a couple more things on SmackDown before we move on. Uh, we had Miz and Shane with the backstage segment talking about their upcoming tag team. Miz showing off some possible outfits for them to wear. They've gone full on comedy comedy bit. Uh, but that being said, it was a lot of fun. I thought. Or did you? I did- I, I don't care. Oh, uh, is is kind of my response. And all I can think about oh, is no. where Miz was about a year ago. On Monday Night Raw, with the B team behind him being one of the top personalities across all of WWE and being a legitimate potential record-breaking intercontinental champion to where we've come to now. Now, I understand taking a year, doing something fun, being a face on the different brand, all that kind of stuff. I pine for the days of old Miz and I was hoping that we were going to end up going down the route. I still have skeptical, optimistic hopes that we're going to take 
face Miz into WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. I haven't written that off uh-huh. yet. That's what I'm saying. I'm still seeing that there with a Shane screw job, as he's infamous for doing. But it, I don't like this stuff. No. I'm not enjoying this. Oh, I'm loving it. I, I think I thought it was hilarious. I thought that you know Miz is is he's talented at every aspect of the game now, and I think this is showing off his chops in a different way. So I actually don't have a problem with this at all. I, I laughed out loud during the segment. I'm sorry you didn't like it. That's actually I mean, a bummer to the be, picture but, of, of Shane's head on Goldberg's body uh, with the title around it. I, yes, I gut laughed. That's hilarious. <laughs> with, with a that's pair of uh, like retro Jordans on. That's hilarious, right? That's good stuff. It's it's that's, that's good fun. stuff. But the the dynamic of the back and forth, like are they're they're slow burning this, and I want to see where it goes. Maybe I'm just anxious. Maybe what, I you, just you wanted to just saying about the Royal Rumble. Like that's that's your moment where like everything's going to really kick off. Yeah. So. Yeah. So give give this some time. I don't feel like SmackDown I, may be a little bit further along in developing that than Raw is, though. So fair enough. This fair feels enough. like the one slow burn thing that we're sitting here going, "Where is this going? We well, don't the really thing I'm know." Wondering, yet. I'm wondering where it's going is the women's division because right now we had it established that uh, we don't know who the next person in line for Oscar's title is. We had all we had Oscar standing backstage getting congratulated by Triple H when up comes Charlotte Carmella. And Becky Lynch all saying, yeah, I want a shot at uh, at Asuka's title. And Triple H saying, okay, well, we'll let you know. We'll see you. And they all stood there and stared at each other as Asuka walked away. I have Mace- zero concerns about this. I'm sitting over here munching on my popcorn just watching them go because this I, is I, yeah. fantastic. I thought the segment made Becky look like a bit of a goof was my only nitpick. But at the same time, I also looked at it and went, fatal four-way at Royal Rumble? Uh, no. No, I, I don't think it'll be Becky because she, she's got to be in the Women's Royal Rumble in order for to a win contendership? the thing. Uh, yes, I'm all in on that. Not mm-hmm. for the title. Okay, well then, yeah, fatal four away for the contendership. That seems to be what they're what they're going for in the writing these days on the actual shows. Um, but you know, who Carmella, Charlotte, and Becky? Who wins that fatal? Uh, that what fatal three way? Sorry, <laughs> who's the fourth? I don't know why I called it a fatal four way. I thought Oscar was going to be there. Um, Anyway, so that's yeah. The woman's picture is up in the air on SmackDown. They, you know, it seems to be at the whims of the McMahon Helmsleys now. It's, it's the I, new I'm still authority. all in on my Charlotte Oscar at Mania, and then Ronda and Becky for the unit for the Raw side of it. Well, I, they'd I, have to build and, Charlotte and Oscar in some I way. I think they're going to is what I'm saying. And this this is a, when Charlotte showed up. I went, uh, okay, maybe we're okay. Then Carmella was the wild card in this one. I didn't see yeah. her stepping back into it. The but only she, way that I she see, made some yeah. good points. I've beaten Oscar and Charlotte twice, and I, I held it for over a hundred days. I'm a legitimate yep. threat to the title. Okay, yep, you yep. you have a point. Yep, well said, Carmella. And now, yep. now that she's faced, people actually might get behind her. Uh, she can wrestle. Our truth in her corner with dance breaks. All that stuff's crazy over right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and 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 then the question just becomes, you know, will they pull the trigger on going two for two, Charlotte and Oscar? Only this time, the dynamic being different with Charlotte as a heel. Yeah, that's really the only way I can see them doing it. But yeah, I still don't. I don't really see it. Um, do we want to talk about the exposure that happened during this segment? Uh, blatantly, uh, in the sense that Charlotte wore a sheer top on cable television and they aired it. I thought I this was an interesting choice. I Did, didn't see anything untoward. Okay, we won't talk about it then. But if I'm you just guys saying, like, it, I did say it was sheer, but it wasn't like she was uh, 
she was showing off any tips or anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, go I'd, go look again. I, maybe, <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe uh, I will. In, in case you didn't see it, yes, she was wearing the a, a translucent sheer top, and you could see full nipple. Oh well, I'll I, I'll say that in the nicest way that I can. And I was. It's not that. Oh my God, boobs. It's more of like, wow, they let that on TV. Well, and they do have the camera a little bit low to enhance her height, so that was kind of at the right height. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see it, and uh, <clears throat> usually I'm aware of such things, but. Maybe I don't. Know, maybe I was just too into the drama of the segment. Look, that's, yeah. that's good storytelling, guys. I was, I was distracted by the right. by the actual <laughs> acting and storytelling. But anyway, that wraps it up for SmackDown this week. But there's plenty more show to go. We've got to talk oh, yeah. about a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff, particularly Wrestle Kingdom over in the wide world of wrestling. NXT this week was a real quick one. It was their typical end of year, new year recap thing that's a lot of fun. They give out their awards. They talk about the big matches like the six-man ladder match that they had this year for the North American Championship. All of that, just fantastic year. This might be the best year of NXT ever, period, stop, hard stop, ever, period, whatever. They keep getting better and better. Every single takeover was absolutely lights out. God, what a year in NXT. It was a two-hour show, and an hour and 40 minutes of it was recapping the year, and it was all killer, no filler. Like It was just, hey, we did all these things, and everything you're looking at going, oh, my God, everything was amazing this year. And they had so much good stuff, they cut out a ton of stuff just to try and fit it all on this show. But the thing is, we're not, we didn't watch NXT for that. We watched it for their main event, which was the one new thing about this week was a match between a rematch between Matt Riddle and Cassius Ono. They finally had the match that they were supposed to have on TakeOver, and then it was canceled, and then they had a squash match. Well, now they had a real match, and it was fabulous. It was absolutely a great way to show off what Matt Riddle can do. It showed off that Cassius Ono is freakishly agile for a guy of his apparent physical condition. Um, but uh, it, it was... If you guys are still on the fence about Matt Riddle, if you still are annoyed by his whole bro gimmick, go watch this match because the great thing about Matt Riddle is he comes out looking like Sean Penn from Fast Times and he gets in the ring and he is the stoner bro, Pineapple Express guy until that bell rings and then he turns into a goddamn animal and he is freaking terrifying. There's nothing bro about him. He turns into a monster. And this match against Cassius, who in this in this match, I love how they started off with Riddle going for the same move that KO'd Cassius at the beginning of the squash match. And then it turned into a match, and Cassius showed that he actually could go strike for strike with Riddle. And this was hard hitting. These boys have, have they faced each other a lot in the indies. Uh, they've had a lot of really good matches outside of WWE, and you can tell they know each other very well, and they're not afraid to lay it in on each yeah. other. Cassius was doing full on no safety sentons onto him. It was it was a great, great match. If you're going to have one match on a two-hour recap show that's new, this was the one to have. I loved it. Yeah, I loved I, it. I absolutely loved this. It's a uh, Cassius Ono continues to be the awesome gatekeeper of NXT uh, for new guys that come in and does a fantastic. I don't know if there's anybody that does a better job of you know. Uh, we've said this about Natalia in the past. We've said this about. Uh, Ziggler a couple of times as they're these gatekeepers of of new talent coming on to those rosters to kind of indoctrinate them into the system. But I don't think anybody does it as well as Cassius Ono. And the amount of time he spends 
uh, in the training center, working with these guys, working these matches just to get the style down and the rhythm down versus what they've been used to on the indies. You can see it in a lot of the new talent. I, I got to repeat something I, I harped on all throughout 2018. Man, circa PWG 2016, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Donovan Dijak. Sorry, I'm not going to say Dijakovic. I can't even say it. They they this cold. They it's totally Donovan messed Dijak. me up. <laughs> it's Dijak. Me Just call him it. Dijak. It's fine. Well, but even before that, Shop and Gargano. I mean, although yes. Gargano was more evolved, but it was still like, yeah. But PWS. But, but I don't think we had a grouping of guys that have worked together in a promotion so long come into it during the same kind of season and like this. Everybody goes through PWG. Kevin Owens oh, and Sami Zayn. Man. Everyone goes sure. through Sure, but, but this grouping feels special, and maybe that's because we were yeah. more intimately involved with it over the last few years, but I cannot wait until we're seeing, and I think we'll see it in 2019, Keith Lee versus Dijak. You know, Matt Riddle versus Ricochet. Oh, yeah. Oh, all, all of those guys oh. are going to... If you're watching uh, WWPC on YouTube, they have a lot of these guys all working together in the PC, and it's really fun to see them all interacting with each other. And you know, just the camaraderie there is fantastic. Like uh, yeah. watching watching uh, Dozovich squat 675 pounds, and then Keith Lee and come in and give him a big old hug. Keith, <laughs> oh Keith, yeah, oh yeah, Asai. Uh, uh, um, is Dozovich he, the Kool Aid Man or Macho Man or an illegitimate child of the two of them? I think you answered your own question. <laughs> so at the end of this, at the end of this match, uh, yeah, there were well, there was obviously Ono got beat by Riddle. Riddle taps him out in the Bro Mission, and then uh, Cassius tricks him into trying to give him a pound. Ends up attacking him again, beating him down. This feud looks like it will continue. Not mad at that at all. Give me more. I'm all about it. Speaking of things that we're going to get more of, 205 Live. Let's move over to that. We this did blew have, my mind, by the way. Uh, we did have a couple of matches to qualify for the Cruiserweight Championship. We had Kalisto and Leo Rush. I was shocked. Kalisto, Salida Del Sol, beats Leo Rush looks like we're having a new beginning over on 205 Live as well because Akira Tozawa defeated Drew Gulak. And both these matches were fantastic. Fantastic. So really worth the time. I know we say this, we harp on this every week. No one's watching 205 Live, but they should because it's good. And next week we have Cedric Alexander and Hideo Itami. And uh, a surprise return, which I won't spoil. But it's... Uh, I, yes. I never would have called Kalisto and Tazawa going over these two at their current state. Because yeah. I, I I would have Leo Rush and Drew Gulak for me would have been a shoe in into this uh four way contender whoever's gonna be the tournament, whatever they're doing. Is it a four way or is it a tournament bracket thing? So but there was an announcement. It's a it's a four way bracket, and then there's a no, there's a four way contendership match after yeah. we have all four. So but here's the thing is that we've also had a had a, a report uh, from Drake Maverick that he was going to bring up new talent to 205 Live. Now, whether that means some people move up to Raw and Leo Rush and Drew Gulak go away for a while from 205 and move up, whether it means we're going to have more pairings for them, it could be a lot of exciting things happening in the future on 205 Live. No, so I think this goes back to what I was talking about last week where I treat 205 Live as another main roster show alongside SmackDown and, and Monday Night Raw. It's just a different weight class. It's the junior heavyweights. It's, well, it's the lighter guys. Well, that's what they guys. want it to be, but unfortunately, it feels more like NXT 1.5. Well, sure, but at the same time, when I hear Drake talk about bringing in new talent, I'm thinking that can be 
205 or lighter guys from or girl well I guess just guys for right now from NXT which is a lot of the, yeah it was a lot of the lot of NXT right now is too so I get excited I uh, look at Gargano what was know, I, look at I don't know Nick, what was I saying a week or two ago about uh about gold dripping off of undisputed era that wasn't necessarily NXT gold ah <laughs> uh, what do you what do you know what do you know Anyway, so more to, more to come on 205 Live next week. We're getting some things set up. I'm excited for that. But right now, Nick, it's time. It's time, baby. Woo! Let's talk New Japan because tonight, tonight is Wrestle Kingdom 13, and we need to talk about these matches. I want to give a rundown. Guys, if you don't watch New Japan, it's fine. Now's a perfect time to start. I'm going to give you a little insight into these matches, what you have to look for, uh, who's who, and what the feuds are about going into this because, damn, New Japan did a good job of building some of these feuds this year. It is definitely a little bit more... Uh, mature might be a, a word that has a, that lends itself the, the wrong aspect, but it's... It's definitely a bit more of a, a heady promotion, not as much kind of ex- spelled out for you the way that WWE is. Uh, so it's a little tougher to kind of get all the aspects of these feuds. But damn, they've written some good stories going into this, and they have some fantastic talent. So uh, it starts tonight, as we said, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Uh, sorry, 2 a.m. Eastern yeah. in the in the u.s yeah that is for the pre-show that is not the main show that is the so. pre-show however the pre-show is going to be a number one contender gauntlet match for the never open weight six-man tag team championship belts well that's a mouthful good <laughs> lord do you think that's a mouthful wait till i tell you all the people that are in it against the again these are three-man teams and uh at new japan does work on a faction system so a lot of these guys are from the same factions you've got for instance from chaos you've got hiroki goto the recent never open weight belt holder. Now he's going for the the six man belts. Uh, him, Beretta, and Chucky e. T. Obviously, recently we had some issues with Chucky e. T. and Beretta. Chucky e. T. looking like he might turn heel. This is going to come back later in this preview. Well, something's going on there with Chucky. E. We also have uh, another team that's in this gauntlet match again. It's a gauntlet match, so it's one team coming out after another, right? And then the teams have to prevail over all of the other ones that come out. You've got Suzuki Gun. Uh, there's a big deal being made about the fact that Minoru Suzuki himself is not on the main card of Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, the dude is 50 years old. They didn't have a storyline for him. So he's here along with Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith, also known as the Killer Elite Squad, from Suzuki-gun. Uh, as long as I hear Kaze Ninare, I don't give a crap. It's, it's Minoru <laughs> Suzuki. Like, uh, that's why I'm watching the pre-show pretty much is for him. Um, then you also have the team, the strange team, Kind of a mixed team from different factions of Ryusuke Taguchi, Togi Makabe, and Toru Yanu, uh, which should be interesting. You've got two comedy guys and a big gorilla-looking dude. Should, should be interesting what they're doing there. You've got Yuji Nagata, Blue Justice himself, with Jeff Cobb and David Finlay, which is an odd teaming. But, hey, our boy Jeff Cobb is going to be in this match. He's going to smell delicious. And then the final team, Bullet Club, was going to be represented by Marty Skrull, Hangman Page, and Yujiro, Tokyo Pimp, Takahashi. So I here's the thing. It's going to be entertaining. There's a lot of great talent just in this. It's just going to be a parade of dudes who are great characters coming out and having matches, hitting all of their fun spots. It's going to be a great way to, to do the first hour. That's why I'm, I'm saying it starts at 11 for me and, and, and two for you, just because it may be the pre-show. This is a damn good match. No kidding. 
And that's a way to kick it off, man. Just throw a bunch of dudes in the in the ring gauntlet style and just let them tear each other up for half an hour. Yeah, these are always fun, man. It just becomes yeah. a bit chaotic at a certain point. So yeah, it's hard to keep up with who's who and who's legal and who's doing what and who's with who. All of that is. But if you can get your head around that a little bit, I wouldn't like if you're new to New Japan, like you were saying, I wouldn't overanalyze this one or try to understand everything that's going on here in this match because it's there's so much. Yeah, there's so much lore that goes into the the factions and the matches and the individuals in, in this one that it's one of those just sit back and eat some popcorn and enjoy the show. Absolutely, because, just get get warmed up for how Japanese wrestling works. Yeah. That being said. Uh, if you had to pick one of these teams to pick up the uh, the number one contendership, who would you pick here? Uh, by the way, the, uh, just so we know, I mean, I, just so we know, it's currently being held by by Bullet Club, the Gorillas of Destiny. Okay, uh, so well, I'm gonna go. I was gonna lean towards a Marty Skrull or a Jeff Cobb. So I'm, uh, but I don't know if they're at a position where they can. Uh, I mean, again, this is a number one contender, and, and it's currently being held by Killer Elite Squad. No, sorry, by uh, Gorillas of Destiny. I'm sorry, Gorillas of Destiny. You're right. Uh, and then the, the, the Beretta and Chucky e. T thing is compelling, so I'm wondering if there's something there that's going to put them in a position to have more story. I, I don't know. For some, I'm gonna, something is telling me to go Goto, Beretta, and Chucky e. T. Okay, so you're going for chaos then. Yeah, because I think there's more story to tell here later in the show. That's not a bad pick. I'm picking Bullet Club Elite just because they have a big ongoing story with Bullet Club OGs, which are, which are Gorillas of Destiny. So I really, yeah. I, I could see it going either way. Um, Hopefully, I, Tama Tonga stays off of Twitter this time. I hope he doesn't. I'm, I'm so <laughs> entertained by that guy. <laughs> I am so entertained by him on Twitter. Come on. He's fantastic. Oh. Uh, moving on. To, so the top of the actual show, opening, opening, Wrestle Kingdom. This is how stacked this card is. They're opening this show with the junior heavyweight champ. Excuse me, the never open weight championship. The never open weight belt, which is usually... Kind of irrelevant. I, I don't want to insult it by saying that because a lot of really incredible guys have held it. But usually it's not exactly the most prestigious title. But what it is, is a gateway title. It's an open weight championship, meaning that both junior heavyweights and heavyweights can, can hold it and challenge for it. So if you're a junior heavyweight looking to move up into the heavyweight division, which is more prestigious in New Japan... One of the first stepping stones can be the open weight belt, and it's one where juniors can face against heavyweights and possibly beat them. And that's what we're seeing here, where Kota Ibushi, who's currently holding the never open weight championship, he won it off of uh, Hiroki Goto about a month ago. He has been challenged by Will Ospreay, who was uh, supposed to be challenging for it back in October before he got injured. Will Ospreay versus Kota Ibushi. Mm. This already we're we're what four days three days into 2019 this right here might be match of the year and we're three days into the year calling it right now this is one of probably two if not three matches that i've kind of got earmarked going sleeper <laughs> this could absolutely be one of those that completely upstages yep. some of the other more premier matches that we've got on this card um and like you said they're coming right out of the gate with it is it Osprey's time? I, I I'm thinking Osprey here. I'm thinking that he could potentially take it off of Ibushi. So I'm going to go with Will Osprey for for my pick here because of the because of the downtime that he's had. Um, Ibushi's held on to it. You know, all very kayfabe kind of reasons. Nothing against Ibushi in that sense, but this this match is. I'm happy they're putting this one first, so I can actually stay up and watch this one. Right before well, this, I completely this is one of the lose first consciousness. Ones. 
This is one of the first ones we have to talk about AEW. Here it comes. Is is Ibushi going to AEW? Is that going to somehow interfere with his duties in New Japan? That's one aspect aspect of it. The other aspect is... I wasn't sure you wanted to bring that up yet, but that's that's influencing my pick a little bit as well. Oh, we start now. Okay. Um, All right. We're going on this now. We're going all in? uh, um, Waka, waka, waka. Anyway, keep going. So... But here's the thing. Is it Osprey's time to get the nod from New Japan? He is committed to New Japan in lots of ways, both online and, and in press conferences. Um, they obviously see a lot in him. He has been putting on more weight to try and look, look more legit in the heavyweight division. He and Ibushi just had a five-star match as a tag match with Omega and Tanahashi at a Road to Wrestle Kingdom show. Basically like a little nothing show. Imagine like... We're heading to WrestleMania. The Raw before WrestleMania, the, these guys go out and put on a five-star banger of a match. That's what these guys did because they're insane. Um, this match is going to be off the freaking rails. I don't think it's... Abushi just got the belt, and the never open weight belt does change hands a lot, but I think Abushi's holding on to it here. I think this has to be more of a war for Osprey. He's got to work harder to get it. He's going to have to... Okay. I think there's going to be a longer build for this. That being said, if he does win it, I'm going to be ecstatic. The great thing about New Japan booking is there's a lot of times you can see it going both ways and there's good reasons to have it go either way. So um, either way, I don't care. We're in for a treat. And that's yes, what I'm looking for. This is going to be a hell of a match. Make sure you watch this one. Even if you're not a New Japan fan, you're just a wrestling fan, this is going to be a clinic. Yeah. And we have no idea graphs. what the uh, the lineup is going to actually be like when what matches are going on except for this one uh, and the main event. But I got to tell you, Nick, you're going to be up later if uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship comes after this. I don't think they'll have it after this because it's very similar, like high-flying styles. But this is Kushida, who's the current champ, the Junior Heavyweight Champ, versus Taiji Ishimori, Bone Soldier from the Bullet Club. Um, this is an interesting matchup because, again, now Kushida's not going to AEW, but Triple H notoriously has had a hard-on for this guy for three years. He's wanted him in WWE, and Kushida has not been shy about saying he loves the U.S. So the question is, if Kushida does not retain here, this, is this a sign that his contract is up after Wrestle Kingdom and he's going to NXT? I mean, that's a shoot-the-moon kind of pick. If that's the case, it makes a lot of sense for him to to put Ishimori over on his way out and give him the belt. Yeah. But at the same time, I I just don't see him dropping it to Ishimori. It that aside, I, I just I don't see you know, if we rule out that whole argument that you just made about him leaving and going to WWE, I, I think this is you know, it's like this belt was made for him. I, I, I like Kushida in this position. I don't think he drops it. Yeah. I mean that's the thing is I remember the uh the junior heavyweight match from earlier this year, uh Hiromu Takahashi uh may he get well soon against bone soldier against uh, Ishimori. And it was just, it was brutal. I, I remember uh, even Meltzer said he would have given it five. He gave it 4.75 stars. He said he would have given it five, but it was just too dangerous. Uh, <laughs> right. And I think this match might be kind of like that where the, both these guys can just go. Kushida is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. He can do any style and give it to you. And Ishimori, if you've never seen him, he's basically a muscle hamster. He's a little guy just made out of muscle. He's five two, one giant muscle. Yeah, so, take Leo Rush and put Bobby Lashley's structure on him. That's, and that's a really kind of good, what you get. Yeah, that's a really good description. That's pretty much so. This is going to be another baller match. You're, t- you're saying Kushida. I'm saying Ishimori. Kushida's going to WWE. We'll see. We'll also see what happens in the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. This is a rematch from November. It's a three way. It's Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado from Suzuki Gun. 
uh, versus Rapongi 3K from Chaos. That's Sho and Yo, who are incredible. And they're facing off against Los Ingobernables, represented by Bushi and the newest member of, of Ingobernables, Shingo Takagi, recently from, uh, from Dr- Dragon Gate, I believe, or Noah. But uh, here's the question. So Rapongi 3K, I, I said they, would ne- they wouldn't win the last match, and they did and forced this match to happen. Do they double down? Do they do it again and take the belts off of Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado here? Or I think so. Or is this is this a way to get Shingo Takagi over because he just showed up in New Japan? Um, much like you were making the argument that it's just not his time yet uh, for Osprey, I I would say the same thing to, about Takagi. I think this is de- show. There's a reason that Show and Yo won that match to force this, and I think they're gonna kind of be that underdog team that comes in and you know against all odds comes in and and, and wins this. I would not be and for some reason I'm leaning a lot toward like it feels like this is gonna be Chaos's show. And with all of the things that are going on with Beretta and Chucky e. T, with all the things around Show and Yo and getting this match, there's a lot of things. That, so I'm gonna, I, I might go, full, I might run the card full chaos. Which is uh, interesting to say because we're gonna have to talk about chaos when we get to uh, one of the matches later, which is gonna be very much telling as for what the future of. Chaos. I know where you're going. <laughs> oh, you know where I'm going. We're gonna talk about so the future. I, of chaos. I'm gonna go Rapongi 3K for for this match. Uh, let's 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 finish the story of them getting here and and you know, crest to the mountain with yeah. the title. Oh, well, they, they, they won in a surprise win last year against the Young Bucks, so it would be it would be interesting to see them come full circle and win it again. Uh, I am taking Los Ingobernables here. I, th- I think it's, it's they're going to get Takagi over, and uh, Sho and Yo had it last year. So uh, so here's where we start getting to the, the really, really big ones. Uh, for the first time ever, the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship, another promotion's having its championship defended at Wrestle Kingdom. Tomohiro Ishii, the current champion, he's been trading it. He won it off of Zack Sabre Jr. early last year and then was trading it off and on with Minoru Suzuki all year in some absolute terrifying matches. Uh, he is now being This challenged. one is going to be no less terrifying. This is going to be stiff AF. And it's going to be amazing <laughs> because Zack Sabre Jr. is one of the most unique wrestlers in the world and Ishii is a fantastic foil for him. They always have great matches. So Tomohiro Ishii, Versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. Uh, who is your pick? Let's before anything else. Who do you have winning this? Does Ishii retain or does Zack Sabre pick it up? It, it's kind of a coin flip for me. Uh, honestly, either one of these guys could could hold it. I, I'm going <laughs> to say Ishii have, retains. <laughs> uh, well, I understand. I'm going to say Ishii retains because it's kind of been his year, and I think culminating that in. Uh, all of the matches you were describing, especially the ones uh, during and after the G1 with Suzuki, I just I feel like he's going to hold on to this. I don't feel like I think they're going to put on a an uncomfortable match. Is yes. the way I'll describe it. Right, well it's going to be uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, we're going to see headbutts and the Zack Saber Junior. We've got like high flying flyer matches. We've got the technical matches here. We got we're going to have slap fests. It's going to be an amazing show. But here's the thing, I. This is this hurts because I am Stone Pitbull one four one crew absolutely all the way. I want him, I want Ishii to hold the damn heavyweight title. He's he is such he's so underrated. He is the hidden star of New Japan. But Zack Sabre Jr. is winning this match. He's he's British. Rev Pro is British. He's going to have more opportunities in the new year to defend it in Britain against other people. Ishii has had his story with it this year of overcoming Minoru Suzuki. I think this is Zack Sabre's to win back, and then he's going to go off and and be the Rev Pro champ. 
for a while. I could see that. Again, coin flip. Like I said, either one of them. Yep. You know, for for different reasons. There's a lot of these matches that are coin flips, but one that is not a coin. I don't think this is a coin flip at all. Is the IWGP US Championship. Uh, this is the newest belt in New Japan. They made it a couple of years ago, and the first winner was unsurprisingly Kenny Omega. It's been traded off back and forth. Uh, let's see who all has had it by this point. Jay White has had it. Cody had it. Um, there was a, an absolutely amazing match that I got to see earlier this year at the Cow Palace in San Francisco where Juice Robinson beat Jay White for this. In one of in, they, they didn't even fill the Cow Palace, and it was one of the hottest matches I've ever seen live. People were so hyped for this match, and when Juice won, it was a huge deal. Um, he did then come to Long Beach and lose it to Cody back in September, and Cody's held it ever since, which I thought was surprising. Yeah. I wasn't sure why they did that. Now I think it makes sense because Cody is confirmed to be going off and doing AEW and, and Juice has had a long, long redemption story about his growth in, the, in New Japan. The G1 saw him with a, with a quote, broken hand, with a, with a kayfabe broken hand, and his whole story was fighting through that and ultimately going on a win streak at the end of the G1. It's all Don't about forget about the G1 he had in 2017 either. Yeah. Uh, a year, well, that was over a, a year ago. That was his ago. coming out party. That was his coming out he party. He was one of the big surprises yeah. of the G1 in 2017, yeah. and we all thought, oh, man, this is going to be the next. Him and Sonata. You know, is he going to be the next guy, Jen, after, after, after Kenny? You well, know? but now he is. Now, like, the fact that he's having this match, if he does win this, I think this is absolutely them anointing him as the number two guy, Jen, it, under Jay White. He is going to win it. This is, this is one of the no-brainer matches yes. uh, to call on this card. Uh, because Cody's going off, but I, I think it's a fantastic culmination to his story over the last 18 months. I, I t- completely agreed, and it's also a way to send Cody off with a good match. It's also, it's also this is the great long-term booking of New Japan. This is also a callback to two years ago with Cody's first match in New Japan was at Wrestle Kingdom against Juice Robinson, and Cody won that. So this would be a big, mm. uh, this would be a two a redemption angle two years in the making. Uh, and then I could see Juice going on to start. He starts, re- you know, getting his revenge for his G one losses. Whether that's Tamatanga, Tomohiro Ishii, uh, Naito, Omega Ibushi, Zack Saber Jr. He's got a lot of guys he could then go defend it against, and it would be a, a super entertaining. So yes, I agree, absolutely. Juice, Juice Robinson all the way, uh, all the way. Tag match. Sorry, the tag team championship. Uh, we just had a, a pretty disappointing uh, tag tournament. I think it, it, it wasn't a really big ending and it, it didn't matter. The ending didn't matter because the winners were evil and Sonata from Los Ingobernables and they challenged the current champions, Tamatanga and Tangaloa from Bullet Club OGs. But as they were, you know, they won the tournament, so they get the match. But then the Young Bucks come along and say, well, we never got a rematch against Tamatanga and Tangaloa, so we won our shot too. So it became a three way. So, all right, it's a three way. Great. Um, I think this is a match that could be either a complete bust or it could be another one of those sleeper matches that ends up being just absolutely sick. Because it, well, before we make our picks, what do, what are your thoughts on the Gorillas going off to AEW? Are they in the picture, or are they considered to be? Or are they going to stick around? Gorillas are hardcore New Japan. They're not going anywhere. Uh, the Bucks, however, are. So I actually see this as... This, what's tough to me is I can't tell if we're going to start having... I mean, going, Los Ingobernables have to have a win here somewhere on the show. LIJ has to have a win. And I did I did say that they pick up the junior tag belts and uh, you know Naito has a match, which we'll talk about in a second. I think this is one where the Bullet Club OGs go over. 
and they retain and they keep looking strong because they have to keep some sort of gold in that faction. So I, I finally we agree on one. I, I think they're going to retain as well yeah. for for the same reasons. Yeah. I think I think that the Sonata and Evil and the Young Bucks cancel each other out, and yeah. Bullet Club OGs retain. Moving on, we have one of my most anticipated matches on the show: the singles match, special singles match. This, no title. This is my sleeper pick. This is a by grudge the way. match. Kazuchika Okada, arguably one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, if not the greatest wrestler in the world, versus Jay White. And now we're starting to get into some major storyline because Okada is a fascinating storyline and one of my favorite characters of the year. He held the title for years, set new records for how long he held the heavyweight title, had seven-star matches against Kenny Omega. He had five-star matches against everybody else. It was one of the greatest reigns in the history of professional wrestling. Hard stop, full period. Okay? Guy is amazing. Loses the belt to Kenny Omega earlier this year. I mean, I, I could do a whole show on the rise and fall of Kazuchika Okada as a champion. But just making it really simple, he lost the title and then kind of lost his mind a little bit. He was under uh, under so much pressure from having the title that once he didn't have it, he sort of did not give a crap quite as much. And he went from being one of the greatest wrestlers in the world to a guy who just wasn't that good. Do you have any idea how good of a wrestler you have to be to be able to fake sucking? <laughs> <laughs> like that's no I don't that's, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know how that that's is. what no, he I don't. did he had to act like he now sucked and and the opening part of his G1 was him not being in the right headspace and losing matches and not really giving a crap and it absolutely amazing along comes Jay White who was a member of chaos at the time but starting to get a little rebellious and uh, long story short Kazuchika Okada ends up saying, you know, I don't need my manager anymore. Gato, the guy who brought me up from virtually nothing and made me who I was as the champion of this company and one of the biggest stars in the world. I don't need him anymore. I don't really need anyone. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. He and Gato apparently part ways amicably. Turns out Gato stabs him in the back, joins Jay White, and now says Jay White is the future of New Japan. Uh, Jay White goes and becomes the new leader of Bullet Club, specifically the Bullet Club OGs. Gato goes with him. Now Kazuchika Okada is all alone, and they're playing mind games. Gato's saying that there's a mole in chaos, Okada's uh, faction. And there's a mole. He's got a mole in chaos. He knows all of Okada's secrets. Okada's not the man he once was. Jay White's going to tear him a new one. Uh, so Okada, has not, he hasn't lost everything to Jay White, but just about. Jay White has had his number. This is a serious grudge match. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. Jay White was my, I, I love, thank you for that story. I love all of that. Sometimes we forget, we get so wrapped up on the week-to-week minutia that we forget what an amazing career Kazuchika Okada has had. Jesus. And it's, that what just list, I just love sitting back and listening to you kind of tell that story, you know, in the short form that it was. Well, that's the thing. There's so much more details that I could get into on yeah. this. And Jay White's story too, like how he's come up from, you know, going out on, on tour and and becoming of his own in Ring of Honor, then coming back and figuring himself out. Last year, he had kind of a bummer match against Tanahashi that no one really thought was that good. And throughout this year, he's really come into his heel character in a major way. And he was my sleeper pick for the G1 uh, this year and would have pulled it off if it wasn't for that pesky evil guy yeah. at the end. So <laughs> um, it, it's I, I, I'm picking Jay White here. I'm going to stick with Jay White uh, to win this match because I think it completes the story that you were just... Um, compelling us all with it is it is kind of the the final fall he he falls to it's it's old 
I don't want to say Japanese lore, but it's it's kind of this, you know, you you fight till the end and you just can't overcome that last hurdle. And it's it happens to be the guy that that turned on you and, and oh yeah and ran oh, yeah I I, th- I think this is this tells its the st- its own story I this is my pick for sleeper match of the entire show um, I did the none of the titles they matter but they really don't matter this match for me is special it's it it's gonna complete Jay White's story in my opinion and indirectly Kazuchika Okada and here's the thing here's the thing is that I think that um. I, as you said, Jay, this is Jay White's story right now. But it's but as far as Kazuchika Okada goes, they book long term. Gato's also the booker in New Japan, so that also kind of tips the hat a little bit. If he, you know, even if in kayfabe he's on Jay White's side, like it's a big deal. But Okada has farther to fall. He is not. He's he's broken Okada right now. He is not as broken as he could be. I think they're gonna really. He hasn't lost at Wrestle Kingdom in years. Here's his, this is he's going down here. I absolutely agree. This is Jay White's. He's going to break Okada, and it's going to be beautiful. I can't wait to see it. The, the yes. only question I have left to ask is: Okay, here is here's chaos. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Trent Beretta, Chucky e. T, Toru Yano, Rocky Romero, Sho Yo, Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, and Yoshihashi. Who's the mole? Which one of those guys? Uh, the is The funny trainer? one would be Toru Yano. Uh, <laughs> you know. But I think that yeah, because it would just make sense. It would right because he wanted to sell more DVDs or something. Yep. But uh, you know, there's there's something there's something about that gauntlet match in the pre-show, which is why I picked Beretta and Chucky e. T. I think it's one of those two. I don't really have any indication of which of the two. There's something in my gut that's telling me that it's one of those two. This feels like when we were trying to figure out who Bone Soldier was earlier this year. Right. Like, ultimately, it's not really going to matter. It's just fun side fodder. Hey, any of these guys, if any of these guys turned and went heel, I would be like, I, I, that's going to be awesome. I think Chucky e. T is a ringer. I think he's just being thrown out there to kind of keep us occupied. My two, my two most likely picks are Rocky Romero, uh, and he's going to take Show and Yo with him. Because those are his boys. Interesting. Okay. Or, or, and here's the other one. So Yoshihashi, we don't talk about him a lot because he's usually pretty boring. But Yoshihashi, so when uh, Jay White and Gato turned on Kazuchika Okada, a bunch of guys from Chaos ran out to the ring to try to make the save. Yoshihashi was one of them. But he did a Titus O'Neil. They don't talk about this because the Titus O'Neil slide, the world slide, that was funny. Right, he went under the ring. He disappeared. He popped back up. He was fine. Ha ha ha! Big guy, what goes under a ring falls. It's funny, right? Yeah. Yoshihashi did the same thing. Coming down the ramp, face plants, goes right into a post, busts himself open, and gives himself a concussion. Nearly kills himself. Not so. Not so funny. It, it's not funny, but it's, it's not funny. funny. And New Japan, unlike WWE, who kept replaying the the, the Titus O'Neil thing, they cut right away from Yoshihashi. Wouldn't even show it. And here's how good Jay White is as a heel. He went over, started kicking to- Yoshihashi, hit him with a chair, took blood from his streaming forehead, and wiped it on his own face. Because he's just he's just an evil, vicious bastard. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. But did Kazuchika Okada go check on Yoshihashi at any point? No. Did anyone go check on Yoshihashi? No. I think Yoshi's got a bone to pick, man. I think Yoshihashi, mm. he's feeling better. He's going to come back either at this show or at New Year Dash. 
so let's do a point five prop bet as we normally do on pay per views. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Chucky e. T. I'm gonna bite on the ringer. I, I I'm gonna go with Chucky e. T. Uh, so you're gonna go with Yoshihashi. You know, I no, I'm gonna go with Rocky Romero, but I think Yoshihashi would be an interesting okay. other one. I think Rocky would yeah. be more exciting because Yoshihashi is as exciting as cardboard. But um, yeah, I think I think it's gonna be Rocky. I, th- I think okay. that'd be a fun one. Just making sure I making sure I write that down. Woo! Well, now we get to to the to the two big matches of of this card. Yeah, here we go. Uh, the 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 IWGP Intercontinental Championship. In a no disqualification announced bout. today that it, or just earlier today, almost yesterday, it's a no DQ bat match now, which makes all the sense in the world if you've watched their other matches. Chris Jericho, the current Intercontinental Champion of New Japan, versus Tetsuya Naito, the man he took it from earlier this year at Dominion. After mm. after starting off the year, New Year Dash last year started off the year kicking Naito's ass after having a really great match at Wrestle Kingdom against Kenny Omega. This has been the year of Jericho. And it's funny because he hasn't even been around for anything. I think he's defended the belt like what twice, once. He's pulled. He's pulled the Brock Lesnar in New Japan. He's the Brock Lesnar <laughs> of New Japan, and it's it's working yeah. with shitty face paint. You know. Uh yeah. Anyway, um yeah. What is it like? It's like a shitty Clockwork Orange face paint. Right. Um. There's, there's, I I don't know what to say about this match. This is another one that's kind of a coin flip. You can make arguments either way, but we're running a little bit long, and I don't want to drag on. I, I'll just. I, I think Naito gets a little redemption oh, here. I absolutely. I think, agree. He, I think he's he's going to get it back. I, I absolutely agree. It, Jericho is threatened to end. Jericho's got plans. Jericho, yeah. Jer- I wouldn't be surprised if Jericho ended up being a part of AEW. Outside of why this, not? absolutely. Outside of this, Jericho's yeah. going to do stuff. The whole point was to. This is a long time. Again, I could go off on this as well. This is Jericho's a, another Billy Corgan. He could go start up or whatever he wants. Up another. This is uh, anything a he wants to do. Long term redemption angle for Naito. Okay, this goes back to Naito trashing the IC belt. Not the last time he had it, but he only had it for a second after he won it from Suzuki. Two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago. After the G1 last year. Oh, before the G1. It was after uh, after he won it at uh, Tontaku. I don't know. It was after Wrestle Kingdom, but he was trashing the IC belt. He didn't have any respect for it. He thought only the main belt had any any meaning, so he was trashing the IC belt. Oh, he almost did the same thing to the G1 trophy. That's what I was thinking. That was the joke. Yeah. But now, yeah. so now he's come around. He's been humbled at Wrestle Kingdom last year, right? When he was supposed to beat Okada, but he couldn't pull it off. So now he's been humbled. He's been forced to reevaluate himself. And as tranquilo as he is, here he is now looking at this and saying, you know what? This son of a bitch has been hounding me all year. He's actually, the whole thing leading up to this, Naito is saying, you know what, Jericho? Make me care about you. You say you're an international superstar. You're this big deal. Make me care about you. Make me give a crap. Because I'm tranquilo, dude. And you know what? Jericho has made him give a crap. Jericho has beaten him. In, like He's woken him up. He's bloodied him, which never happens in New Japan. He's beaten him down all year. He's taken things from him. This is the time for Naito to actually give a crap. And once he moves from the IC title on upwards, we can then see him moving possibly finally to getting the big one where he's now redeemed himself for trashing the IC belt a couple of years ago. So I absolutely yep. think this is a story that's meant for Naito to come around here. And the great thing is, I could be totally wrong, and they could have something else in mind. The brilliance of New Japan. But that's how much they've built this into this. Uh, but yeah, no... I'm invested in the re- in the year-plus redemption of, of Tetsuya Naito at this point, like and five. I can't see any other outcome than, than him walking out of here with What's the What's crazy is you could actually run it back five years. That's how long that you could, you yeah. could actually say like he's been on a redemption run. But uh, even maybe even more. But this is the thing. It's no DQ, which is great. Last time they had a match, red shoes kept getting in the way and not knowing what to do. So this is going to be this is going to be good 
Uh, just let them. It's crazy rumble. to think that his stuff even predates Okada and Omega. Can you believe you that? Know, it, it's that. Just wow! What a, what an angle! I love that. I love that uh, Naito even said, like Chris Jericho made some crack about uh, Naito, uh, Naito going off and eating ice cream, and Naito, Naito saying, "You know a lot about ice cream. I can tell by your physique." <laughs> oh, so moving on to the big one, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship of the World: Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, the living legend, the once in a once in a generation superstar. Versus the champion, Kenny Omega. Hiroshi Tanahashi also had a redemption story this year. He started off being torn apart uh, by Minoru Suzuki, uh, having an injury for most of the first half of the year, and then coming back swinging in the G1, having a monstrous G1, and finishing strong against the guy who everyone thought was going to win, Kota Ibushi, showing that you cannot keep Hiroshi Tanahashi down. I've made the comparison to John Cena before. Um, I think that's actually more insulting to Tanahashi than it is to Cena. But he Agreed. he does have certain Cenaistic characteristics. Uh, one of those guys where you just, he he never gives up, um, even though he has tapped this year. It's a very different kind of never giving up. He's got this the fighting spirit running all through him. He is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He's also one of the most charismatic performers you'll ever lay your eyes on and this whole match has been about the the contrast in styles between Tanahashi of the old guard the old New Japan strong style and the new style Kenny Omega the big flashy style so that's what this match has been built on they've been calling it out online breaking kayfabe right and left um you know, uh, uh, Omega saying, have you seen my performances? We're talking 35-minute, 45-minute, 60-minute matches. We're talking blistering pace, world-class athlete. I'm not doing the snooze-fest bullshit and calling it old-school style, calling it New Japan Strong style. He says it's an excuse. He says the new Tanahashi is the same old Tanahashi, and Tanahashi has been ripping him back for being boring, for being a gaijin, for not respecting the sport. This is, a, this is about the soul of new Japan. I could talk about the fact that it's also a new, that the emperor just stepped down in Japan. They're entering a whole new era in Japan when it comes to their culture. So if you have someone like Tanahashi, who is such an amazing member of their, from a cultural standpoint where wrestling is a lot more important, this could be a huge deal for Tanahashi to beat Omega here as a way to reestablish new Japan's soul. Like it's very soul. I, I can't even begin to express the depth that this match could reach in terms of meaning for Japan as a culture, as well as new Japan as a promotion. And with everything you just said, and with, I can't see a world where Kenny Omega doesn't eventually end up over there in AEW. Right. Honestly, at this point, if this show is about completing stories, as we've talked about several times with several matches, I think this has to complete one more thing. The way Tanahashi plowed through the G1 tournament this year, Almost completely unscathed. Right. The way he he got to where he did. Other that match with Ibushi at the, the end way he was plowed absurd. through Ibushi. Ibushi kicked the crap out of him, and he just stood up and took and it. He still pulled and it walked off. Walked right into it. <laughs> Three finishers he hit on him to to put Ibushi down at the end of the, uh, the G one final. Yep. I, I don't see a way where this Tanahashi doesn't win this. There, there's all kinds of side things you could talk about, but I I just. If they've spent, if they've invested this much time in the reemergence of Tanahashi, there's no effing way they're not going to put a belt on him, and we're going to get Kenny Omega 5.0 for for another long while. I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. at this point. Yeah, I, I think I think Omega is probably. Gonna, but here's the thing: Omega just got his Japanese citizenship. Uh, he's been working so hard to learn Japanese and and really become part of the culture and part of this company. Um, 
you know, the big specter of WWE's out there. They've thrown huge figures at Kenny Omega. So it's really good. And, and, and Tanahashi has re-signed with New Japan, and we haven't had any word on whether Omega has or not. So for me, it seems like all signs are pointing to Tanahashi. But this could be a big swerve like last year, where everyone thought Naito was going to win. Uh, and all of a sudden, whoops, nope, Okada wins. The, the winner of the G1 hasn't won at Wrestle Kingdom I, f- I forget what the actual spec is, but it's been years and years and years. They don't they don't win. Well, if anybody's going to do it and break right? that streak, it's going to be Takahashi. Or Tanahashi. Tanahashi, sorry, Tanahashi absolutely. Me. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally have Tana on this one, too. Uh, if he does lose here, though, uh, I'm going to be stunned, but maybe it's just a way for Omega to have a, a more illustrious run because his run has been a little lackluster so far by some yeah. metrics. Um, I think it's been fine, but yeah, that's it's a just, great point you just raised. I mean, you've built Tanahashi in this this story arc of him reemerging and and climbing back to the top. Are, are you just going to like pull the rug out from under it and completely throw away all of that stuff that you did? I mean, yeah, they they kind of did it or, with Naito, yeah. and they kind of did it with Kenny four well, or five times until he finally got over the hump. But well, we thought so, but I think there's other, nothing they're doing with Naito. But here we're looking at something that, as you said, it. If, if Omega wins this, they're giving all of that momentum and all of that history of Tanahashi to Omega here. And I think that's just too much to give him based yeah. on what his future looks like in New Japan versus the fact that you give Tanahashi that one last run, and that could just be huge. And it also opens up for Jay White to come along and take Tanahashi's belt at some point. Um, and that, that, to me, seems like a more clear direction. Like you said, we're running super late here, but this is just so, fun, so much fun to talk about. Um, I, I, could, I, I could do a whole show just on this, but we do have to move on, sir. We do have some listener questions. Uh, we will be online tonight during Wrestle Kingdom to so check us out then. But let's go to those listener questions, Mr. Nick Howell. Yes, uh, first one in from Will James, who says, given uh, DM the GM, Drake Maverick, uh, his announcement that they will also have new talent, who would you guess could be moving up? And does that mean more 205 talent to the main two shows? I've I already said I think Undisputed Era could show up here. Yeah. I think that uh, you could see the... Um, a, I think a, we've a heard of Bobby Fish, uh, speaking of Undisputed Era, is going to go have a match. So um, there's yep. one. Bobby Fish, I think I think having Bobby Fish up there would be a, would be logical. I think Birch and Lorkin, I believe they're under 205. I might be wrong about that. There's a bunch of guys down in... in um, and NXT right now who are on the smaller size uh, side of things who could go up there pretty easily. Uh, I do think, like I, like I said earlier in the show, I think Gulak could go to the main roster. Um, I think Atami could show up on the main roster. He's a few too people. good for it, but, but I think Ricochet would be lights out on, on, the, on 205 Live, but he's too good for it, honestly. That's the problem. He'd be a waste. It'd be like, like you always say Finn Balor going down there. Ain't going to yeah. happen. He's too, he's too big. Oh, so. Finn Balor versus Ricochet? Oh. No, oh, that's sidetrack. That's a whole rat hole. Oh, it's ha- it's right. happened. I can show you the New Japan shows. Oh, I, but, I, I, uh, I know. Uh, next up, Rule Sheerans asked us, we know how Cody, Brandy, Young Bucks, and Adam Page are on the AEW roster. Who else do you think will sign there? And do you think any WWE, current WWE stars will jump ship? Kenny should be a given. He's also expecting Pentagon and Phoenix. That's interesting. Yep. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, from and from the WWE, Good Brothers and Nakamura um, rule is one of the ones I was referring to earlier, where I had heard a sure. little scuttlebutt on Nakamura. Uh, I think AEW will be fantastic for the wrestling landscape. Even if they fail, it might wake up WWE. There's several different things to address in there. Yes. Um, the uh, I want to start at the end. What do you think about AEW and what it means to WWE as a whole? Win or lose, success or fail. 
What's I it gonna, to how is it going to impress that. WWE? I, I'm, not, I'm not speculating on that until we know the TV deal situation. I, w- I won't. I just okay. I can't. The, the, well, I thought we said only, it was Pursuit. Didn't they sign? Or no, that was the other. No, that's, that's, that's Impact. That's Impact. Yeah, until um, we know okay. AEW's situation, there's no way that I can speculate on what WWE's going to think about them. WWE has said they're going to have people at, or rather Alvarez said that they're going to have people at the announcement on Tuesday because you know they're going to be watching this very closely. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as people that could go to AEW, there's a lot of people out there that are big that they're friends with, that they've worked with. Look at All In. Look at who worked All In, and you'll probably see a pretty good who's who, uh, You know, whether it's um, SCU. I think they're already pretty much all but signed. Joey Ryan, uh, Joey Janela, Sammy Guevara. Uh, a lot of the guys from Lucha Underground you could see over there, not just Lucha Brothers, but you know, Angelico. Uh, Shane Strickland's probably, he's in Evolve right now. He's probably going to go to WWE, but like um, Jack Evans I could see going over there. He's not really doing anything right now. Jack Swagger. That I know of. Could, could end up uh, over there. Swagger, sure. Or uh, Wade Barrett. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the the big question is Marty Skrull. Is he going to stick around Ring of Honor until he gets that title? Or is he going to come over? Uh, I personally think he's going to stick around and get that title. I think that'd be yeah, better for him. Then that way he can, go, he can go over to AEW uh, with even more uh, momentum. Jericho, as we said, will probably... Uh, probably be there. He's probably cooling down on Impact now that Impact's ratings are going to crap. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, so that's, that's just off the top of my head. Uh, they'll probably, they'll probably poach impact as well. I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of those guys go over there, Sammy Callahan and Brian cage and that sort of thing. So there, there's a lot of guys out there that I could see them poaching. It's going to be a bidding war for a lot of these indie talent. Like what a great time to be an indie talent where there's so many guys out there with the backings of billionaires. Will it, who want yeah, what a great time money. to have a billionaire in your back pocket when you need to be doing this. No joke. No freaking <laughs> joke. Well, guys, thanks a lot for your questions. If you want to jump in on this and get your questions answered on the show, just head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 tier or higher if you'd like. We'd appreciate it. Uh, and you can every week you can get your questions on the show for the cost of buying me and in a Big Mac uh, once yeah. a month. So and thank really you, helps thank you, the show. Thank you, thank Will you and for, Rule, for the questions. We appreciate yes, it, guys. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you for uh, for participating. Uh, Ian, we've, real quick, we've got time for a few more bullets of other news in the lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. All right, let's do this. We were way over time this week, but hey, it's New Japan. It's Wrestle Kingdom. It's worth it. Uh, so, news notes. Booker T is going to unretire for a match against Rex Andrews. He's what? the champ of Yeah, he's the champ of reality of wrestling. They're going to have a match on January 12th. Booker called him out, said he won an exhibition match, and Rex Andrews said, nah, let's, let's make it a match, bro. Let's do a real thing. So, Booker yeah. T's coming back for a little indie show. As long as uh, it's not in the produce department of a grocery store. No, that's that would be amazing. Uh, so there's a rumor that Vince is going to split up the New Day. They're reporting over at PW Insider uh, that Vince might be thinking about splitting them up. I think this is just one of those things that we, you know, we say, I say every year. You say that like regular intervals. Like they might be doing this, and at some point it's going to come true because you know at some point it will. Uh, SmackDown Live has beaten Raw in the ratings two weeks in a row now. If you look, if you watch the show, you'll know why. But uh, Raw was also up this week uh, after their all-time low back on Christmas. Uh, Tony Storm has been in a mm, let's put this mm, in a, uh, let's let's be nice about this and say it's a page like scandal the sort of thing that uh, you see happening to a lot of celebrities these days your phone was hacked some stuff got out there um, this all would have been I think swept under the rug pretty quickly but Paige actually tweeted out support saying I've been there girl and uh, you know 
Tony, Tony has her followers. Paige has millions of followers. So people didn't know about the Tony Storm leak before. They did now. Tony was forced to delete all of her social media. Poor girl. But um, yeah, so hopefully that blows over quickly for her. And Thoughts and rep- prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, we just mentioned the Lucha Brothers a little bit ago. They are having a match against the new Hart Foundation, which is Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Teddy Hart. Also, Brian Pillman Jr. usually joins them up. That will be at MLW Superfight on February 2nd in Philadelphia. Should be an awesome match. Bandito and PJ Black is also going to happen. That's going to happen at Ring of Honor. Honor reigns supreme. That's on January 13th in Concord, North Carolina, Nick. Uh, If you're down to go see them, see, see your old boy Bandito or Dalton Castle. He's facing Jay Lethal for the championship. And is he uh, unhurt yet? I don't know. I don't know what his deal is. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, and then also, if you want to see our boys, Marty Skrull and uh, PCO, uh, they, them and the rest of Villain Enterprises will be facing off against the Briscoes and Silas Young. Nice. It's also Kenny Klein versus Jenny Rose. So that is the news, the quick news bulletins this week. I know we're a little over, everybody. Thank you for hanging in there with us. I hope you enjoyed our Wrestle Kingdom preview because I can't wait to watch it, Nick. I can't That's, wait uh, for it. It's about that, to happen. That was almost its own show. Uh, I, I think we talked about even breaking that out as its own preview earlier this week, but just couldn't yeah. get around to it. Well, guys, that's our show for this week. We're going to go watch about six hours of amazing Japanese wrestling later tonight. And uh, eat all sorry. the sushi. And eat all the sushi, yes. I'll have my man bun slash top knot in just, uh, just for that. Anyway. Uh, it's going to be a good time. D- again, if you uh, are new to New Japan, feel free to come over and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Ask us any questions you may have or see our reactions to the matches. And hey, if you're a night owl like we are, you can join the group chat that will be going on in the Facebook discussion group. But you got to be in it to be in it. Uh, if you like this show and want to support us and show us some love, head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome tiers. Throw us a couple of bucks in the tip jar. It really, really helps us keep this show going for the long term. And last but certainly not least, we are going to be going live. We're going to be doing some testing this weekend. Yes. This weekend, yes. breaking news. For those of you still hanging in, we're going to be doing some testing with some new live setup from opposite ends of the country. So... Stay tuned for that, but you want to get subscribed to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Be sure to hit that notification bell so you're aware when we do return live. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.